everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 106th episode of the podcast, airing December 28th, 2020. And I wish everyone a happy, almost new year to all. Now, I'm delighted to present to you my discussion with Gray Crawford, who will join me in a conversation on the astrology of 2021. And so Gray and I recorded an epically long podcast, breaking down the overall themes of 2021 and how this coming year will play off the cycles, uh, you know, those new cycles that started in 2020. And so you may want to break this one up into listenable chunks, depending on how long your attention span can go. And so what we did is we started out with a broad overview of the action to expect, such as the Saturn uh, square Uranus transit, the continuation of the Gemini Sagittarius eclipses, and the switching of Mercury retrogrades into the air triplicity. And then we go quarter by quarter, uh, solstice to equinox, pointing out the hotspot areas of the year and potential ways to navigate them in the collective and personal spheres. And when it is all said and done, we deemed this year as finding our way forward, for there is much that is stabilized that still needs to break away, while we also discover a new normal that is attempting to root down. And so we truly do wish you all the best in this year to come. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar or by booking a personal consultation over at energeticprinciples.com. And I will remind all you folks out there that I do have an Astrology Basics 201 course on prediction that is now open for registration. And uh, we have the classes starting to fill up. So if you are interested, it's going to be a smaller, uh, you know, group because I want everybody to have uh, time to engage with it. So if you are interested, come on down. It's going to be a six-week live Zoom course that is going to start on January 13th, just after the Capricorn New Moon. And it's going to go for six consecutive weeks on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, which checks out to be 11 a.m. on Thursday. Thursdays for those on the uh, Aussie uh, Sydney coast. So this welcomes this class welcomes intermediate students that are looking to expand their prediction toolkit and even advanced students that just would uh, like to learn from someone new and go through a lot of charts in an experiential fashion because I love to use charts for people in the class and to get that real-time feedback because I think that is how you learn best. And so this class is going to be focused on planetary transits, perfections, uh, and secondary progressions, and most importantly, how to develop a synthesized approach to using all those techniques to get the most out of a chart uh, when you need to, because there's a lot to look at. There's a lot to look at when we're looking at astrology charts. So it's kind of honing in on what's important in that moment or coming up or even looking back to the past to understand significant events in your life or someone you're reading for. So if you want to find out more about that or to sign up, you can go to learningthestars.com, which is my teaching portal, or you can go over to energeticprinciples.com. And of course, there's a link to take you there. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. All right. So who is ready to hear all about 2021? Here we go. Now let's meet our guests. All right. I am so happy to welcome back to the program. We have Gray Crawford with us here today. Thank you for joining me again, Gray. 
Yeah, thanks for inviting me. And I'm excited to um, talk about 2021. Oh, so much to talk about. If you remember, if you've been a, a long time listener of the podcast, or maybe not that long, uh, Gray joined me uh, for 2020. Actually, twice we did a 2020 treatment um, at the at this time last year, and then we um, had so much to say <laughs> on the first go around that we met back up again in the middle of the year to do a second half treatment, which was much needed because uh, Lord knows there was plenty that went on in 2020. So um, we'll see what 2021 brings. <laughs> um, I think it's a little different than 2020, of course. There was so much to say about that year, but uh, there will be there will still be action as there always is in the stars. Um, so before we get started here, Gray, just in case people have not heard of you before, uh, will you give us a little quick background on who you are, where you come from? Yeah, so I... Um... I'm an astrologer. I uh, write regularly on astrology. So you can check out my website, graycrawford.net, which is spelled G-R-A-Y. And there's regular articles on there and you can subscribe to that. And I have a Patreon for that. You can um, sign up for on the higher level. I do like monthly meetings with everybody. And then I practice needle astrology and also horary astrology. So you can uh, contact me for either of those things as well. Awesome. And Gray, I totally follow Gray. Yeah, that's, he's got, I think one of the best, well, Gray has plenty of things to offer, but his writing, definitely go check it out. Um, You know, subscribe to Patreon. There's uh, always insights that can be gleaned from the recesses of Gray's Pisces Mercury mind. (laughs) It's great. And the images. I always love the images that you share because I think that they, I don't know. It seems like, you know, Pisces has a lot of imagery behind it. You know, there's imagination in the, uh, in the visionary quality of it. And so yeah. I guess pictures are worth a thousand words, right? And that's what they say. Yeah. I do think about the images and that's something we'll, um, we'll talk about because we got um, a little moment of a couple months of Jupiter and Pisces at one point this year. So we can weave that back in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is so crazy. Jupiter is going to fly through, but we're going to talk about that. Jupiter's moving fast <laughs> uh, at the beginning of this year here. Uh, so we get kind of a special treat of Jupiter in two signs in 2021. Um, so, I mean, Gray, we, we talked plenty about 2020, but what are maybe some of the key words to describe 2021 or some of the things that we can say about this coming year but also in relation to 2020 uh, and how it might be, um, you know, kind of overlap because everybody's like waiting for the end of 2020. Like, oh, we're 2021 is just, you know, the clock is going to roll over and we're just going to be in a new year, a new life, you know, and, and there's got to be residual effect <laughs> from 2020, I think, going into this year. So what, what do you see? Yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of residual um, effects of 2020 and things are definitely going to be changing with 2021, but it's definitely also not going back um, to the way things were before. And really we're in, the way I see it is kind of an extended period of volatility and change. Um, Not though to the same kind of, um, you know, sort of contraction and like death (laughs) that we we had during 2020, um, not to that same in, intense level, 
but lots of change happening and um, things just continuing to change. I mean, the major thing, um, you know, before coming in here to, to talk to you, I was just outside and looking at the Jupiter-Saturn um, conjunction in the sky. They're just um, barely separating right now. They were together, um, I guess that was two days ago, so, uh, two days before we're talking right now. Yeah. And um, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction is a really major thing. Um, and it's in Aquarius at the very beginning of Aquarius. Um, 2020 had a little bit of Saturn in Aquarius, but the emphasis was really on Capricorn, uh, beginning with the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn, and um, then Jupiter coming into Capricorn and coming together with Pluto three times. So we had basically Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto all ending cycles and beginning cycles together in Capricorn. There was also another element of that um, involving their planetary nodes, that they were all on their own south node of their own nodes, which I Mm -hmm. think was just making it extra impactful. So they were all basically kind of descending down across the ecliptic, just really um, intensifying the impact of just like human civilization and um, this great exposure you know, of, of all these things that are wrong. That was, of course, you know, amplified by the pandemic. Um, and that was one of the things, that, as we talked about before, that was really different. We, we thought the year would be dif- difficult, but when we talked at the beginning of, well, right before 2020, we didn't realize it would literally be like, you know, not being able to leave your house kind of, um, yeah. kind of difficult. So there's still the, um, the impact of the pandemic and all of that playing out. But um, the thing that was always actually just looking at the sweep of time that we're in, the thing that always kind of made me wonder the most and thought it might be really disruptive and turns out definitely is the case is the fact that we're moving from this time period of Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, Pluto into Saturn, Uranus, Jupiter, Uranus. Mm. And essentially, especially the fact we're going from Saturn with Pluto into Saturn square um, Uranus with Jupiter is kind of moving in between them um, sort of um, on a bigger sweep of time level, almost like the moon kind of moving through and, Um, translating in between them. So that is a, is a very volatile, extremely volatile and disruptive um, mix. Um, The Saturn Pluto combined with Jupiter definitely is that sort of like, um, in fact, Rick Tarnas in Cosmos Psyche kind of famously described it as something like death contractions of an old era and like, you know, death of your old, identities and like this amplification of like these forces um and you know moral crises and having to have moral courage and it was all really amplified in addition to all of these things we're already talking about by the fact that this was also closing down this jupiter saturn cycle in an earth sign that goes back to um the beginning of the 19th century 1802 was the first jupiter saturn conjunction in an earth sign. And then I think 1820s, there was another fire, but then like 1840, 41, we got locked into, they're all in earth signs, you know, 
up until 80. Now we're transitioning into the air era. So this transition in the air era is major. And so it's, it's a much bigger Jupiter-Saturn conjunction than normal. It's not just starting up this 20-year cycle. It's locking us into a couple century-long period of the air element. Um, all the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions happening in the, in the air element. Aquarius being the sign of Saturn. So there's reception between them. Saturn's operating at full strength. It's, it's really bringing you know, of, of all the air signs, it's, um, well, I guess in Libra, you could say Saturn's exalted, but it's, it's the air sign that one of them has its home in. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's extremely powerful and signifies, you know, great change, great volatility. And when you go through a big threshold change like this, you know, things are not stable. Things are just going to be changing and it's going to be requiring lots of um, adaptation, reorientation, figuring out how we're moving forward. Um, and so all that tension um, and sort of death we've been through um, and things breaking down. Um, and, you know, um, Saturn-Pluto also really constellates this um, super authority and, you know, um, whether it's, you know, feels like kind of like totalitarian forces um, coming from like the government or authority figures moving into um, the Uranus square um, just amplifies, um, you know, rebellions and protests and things getting really um, unpredictable, even more volatility. You know, Uranus really just can shatter um, the way um, Saturn holds down a structure or a boundary. So there's, there's a mix of like the, on the most simple level, I mean, doesn't take an astrologer to tell you there's obviously tons of protests happening, very concerning things happening in the USA as, as, as elsewhere, things potentially turning very violent. Um, there's also though with Jupiter being there, there's a real mix because there's also definitely a visionary aspect and Uranus opening up um, new perspectives and kind of greater expanses that Jupiter kind of can kind of pick up and kind of move um, this sort of Saturnine awakening in a way. I'm not sure if that's the best way to describe it, but, (laughs) but, you know, bringing in, the way Saturn can kind of create a boundary and keep certain things out. There's a way that gets broken up with Uranus and combined with um, Jupiter coming in, there can be definitely an expansion of vision beyond what we thought was previously possible. So there's a real mixture of a bunch of things happening at once, but the one thing it won't be is, is like really stable and just like things going back to normal. Mm, yeah. Well, and that's really what the 2020 brought to, uh, brought, you know, left the president left at our doorstep was basically grand conjunctions, which are all about new cycles. And because they were so massive and so many, um, not to mention what you just uh, said about the air cycle that we're getting into, that's, you know, 20 years, 200 years revisiting a cycle that hasn't happened in 800 years, you know, these are massive changes that we cannot go back from. Um, and it 
it seems only fitting actually to have it follow up with um, you know slow movers making squares because squares are activating forces and they do create tension, they do create conflict, and they do create friction, but they're also motivating and action oriented, um, and they will make you uncomfortable, but it will push the story forward in some way. Uh, and it's interesting that they take, it takes place in fixed signs and that's going to be very much, um, you know, the hot spot of 2021 is all the fixed signs, you know, uh, Taurus, uh, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. And if we know anything about fixed signs is that they don't necessarily like to move. They're known for being stable. They're known for holding uh, their own and, and staying steady to a course. Um, but when you add th- such things as uh, Uranus, which like you said, it is volatile. It's, you know, the definition of disruptive. Uh, there, we are getting disrupted in very fixed places of existence. Um, and that can be uh, hard. I think, what is it? I remember um, when Uranus first moved into Taurus, I think it was Austin Kopak who said, it was like, you know, oh, you thought Uranus and Aries was difficult, like try being, you know, shocked awake from a sleeping bed, you know? And I think that a lot of us have been in many ways where we are just, you know, it's one thing to be on guard and then shocked. And it's another thing to be like totally, you know, like a sleeping lamb and then be like, ah, this is all changing. Um, and then having Jupiter go through Aquarius too, uh, you know, Jupiter just wants us to grow and move forward and, and pushes us to um, expand in some way. And so that is not necessarily a stabilizing force either because it pushes the story along. And maybe Saturn's the only one trying to stabilize things, but that could be a blessing when everything's been disruptive because we're going to need some sort of stabilization after the fact. And so I think there's going to be a pattern of disrupt, stabilize, disrupt, stabilize, you know, and there it's it can feel like it's like peace is just not there for to some extent. Um, but it also affords us the ability to create something new um, and something that can, you know, maybe stand the test of time and that can live in this era that we are now building. Because like you said, Gray, there really is no going back. And I find it very interesting. I want to pick your brain about this. Um, you mentioned the Jupiter. So basically Jupiter is going to square Uranus. Um, mm-hmm. And Jupiter is going to do it first because it's only going to make one square uh, pretty, yeah. you know, January 17th. Right Mm-hmm. And, and so Saturn's going to be the one that does, you know, hits it, backs it up, you know, does that three, uh, you know, part square dance. So, I mean, what do you think about Jupiter kind of introducing Uranus and then Saturn kind of backing it up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely an important point. So, like you're saying, we'll, we'll talk about this. Saturn's going to have three um, exact square aspects with Uranus, and they basically last the entire year, you know, there's one in mid-February, one in mid-June, and one kind of at the end of December. But then really, even though those are the the end of the exact aspects, like 2022 is basically Saturn-Uranus. We're dealing with it the whole year still. They're just, the exact aspects are over. They're still very close. They're still, um, there's actually going to be eclipses going with them. Mm. So, um, it's really like two pretty solid years of Saturn Uranus we're, you know, stepping into. And you're right, Jupiter's kind of flows right through there. 
sets it off. And actually, as we'll talk about, when it goes into Pisces a little bit later, like in May through uh, like the end of July, um, it doesn't get to a sextile with Uranus, but it actually starts kind of dipping into like being at least in a whole sign sextile with Uranus and it comes out and, you know, end up going through Pisces and kind of, again, just kind of flip, flying right through a, a sextile with Uranus, but um, on its way to Neptune, right? So there definitely is something there that's, that's, that's really important about that, that sequence of things. Um, so the, the Jupiter Uranus is much more of um, like the breakthrough, um, the advancement, um, trying to solve and figure out solutions. And, you know, maybe there's obviously going to be like technological innovations um, as well as lots of other um, ways of like approaching the, these different issues that are going to be coming up to, to deal with. And so that's the more like the Jupiter Uranus piece um, gets triggered pretty quickly, um, like you said, but they're still kind of in play um, the whole time. But the the Saturn Uranus is obviously the thing that we're, you know we're not getting away from, and it's going to be going back and forth for a while. Um, and so. Um, that piece of it, I think, is just is really interesting. Also, in the context of the air-earth transition, because like we're kind of leaving these, this Earth era behind, but then Uranus is like in an Earth sign, um, creating disruption and volatility in these like things. You know, Taurus, Earth are things we very much associate with the Earth element, um, from like food and agriculture to you know the way we um, are on the land and all all these types of things. Um, because again, like you're saying, they're fixed signs. These are like really big, long-lasting changes that are um, that are coming in. But um, yeah, because the, the Saturn Uranus piece is um, not going away. And in fact, I mean, it'll be interesting. You would, even though the, as we'll talk about, the beginning of 2021 is extremely volatile. When uh, Jupiter is there at the same time as Saturn, there's much better, you know, there's definitely like this, like I'm saying, like the sort of expansive vision and, you know, things being really difficult, but getting like the sudden flash of insight of like, oh, I can do this, or maybe this is a way I can kind of, and just kind of experimenting and figuring out these new ways of how to deal with it. But then, you know, it's, it's moving on basically. And we're dealing with a really long time of Saturn there. And eventually, you know, Jupiter goes into Pisces for good. And then we're just really dealing with Saturn in Aquarius squaring Uranus without Jupiter there. Um, and so that's going to be a more like austere or like maybe severe type of Saturnian um, experience more so than when, when Jupiter is there. Um, so there's obviously, um, you know, with Aquarius and us stepping into this, um, obviously in some level, you know, people are, I think a lot of people are associating it with the internet and the information age and the internet having its Saturn return, um, coming back to Mm -hmm. Aquarius. Um, and the fact that people have been having to work from home, right. With the, pandemic anyway and things moving more in that direction but there's 
you know, warfare turning more to like drones and, you know, all these kind of air themes, having like the air, what kind of air force you have, um, becoming more important from a military standpoint, all these things kind of moving air, we can kind of see, but we can also kind of realize there's ways that over time, this is changing that we can't even really imagine right now. There's, this is like start of a much bigger sweep of change and that, and it's, it's going to be really difficult for people. And especially as we're dealing with, I think the pandemic and the, and the government and conspiracy theories that are all over the place and different, um, the ways people are reacting to authority. I mean, in the USA, we have like the, the person that's still the president, you know, just last night he was on, um, making a speech about how he actually won the election in a slant slant slide. And, you know, um, part of this with, with Saturn being in the air element, it's all about, um, you know, thought and these, these boundaries and structures of Saturn and these borders and the way Saturn will, you know, control things and negate things and keep certain things out at times, um, it's no longer about Capricorn and like the land and the earth. It's all about thought and ideas mm-hmm. and the information presented to you. Yes. Um, and so there's a lot of con- concerning things to me on, on that side of things with um, the, obviously the use of the internet and the control of information and the, the monitoring of everybody. Right. And then, these different alternate realities people are living in, depending on what newsfeed they're they're subscribing to, and they're getting certain information. and And certain people, you know, you'll you'll hear people saying, "Oh, I'm really objective, and I'm seeing through this." But then you hear them talk, and they're obviously coming from this really biased place from when they start mentioning different things. Um, so that's a really major um, problem that's going on. But again, this long thing with Saturn and Uranus that's going to be in play. I mean, I think it's just like this, this, this great change in just, in just thought and how we're, we're approaching things, how we conceptualize um, reality, um, how we're forming community. Um, Aquarius definitely decenters and it can fragment and it can fracture. Um, and it can objectify and it can, it can in good ways bring attention to people that have been on the outskirts, you know, and been marginalized. And it definitely can also open us up to, you know, perspectives of people that have been, you know, exiled or, um, you know, seen as set apart from the, the consensus in a way. So I think also over time, in a, in a more positive way, as we're dealing with all this, this great rupturing in society and like the polarization is probably just getting worse um, because of that long Saturn Uranus. But at the same time, you know, Saturn, the way it takes stuff, you know, so Saturn over time, you know, you just start building things and developing things and really slowly starts things just keep building. Right. And I, so I think there's also this on a positive side, there is some great, expansion of possibility and of and the way people use their minds and think about things. So sorry, it's a really kind of long rambling. <laughs> um, there's a, just a real mixture between the two. 
Yeah. And it's sort of like, I think Jupiter is just kind of, Jupiter's just sort of like inciting it, like in, in this bigger period of time we're talking about kind of quickly. Yeah. Um, then it's going to be in Pisces, but we have to remember the Saturn Uranus thing. We're, we're, we're just kind of orienting to it in 2021 and it's still really playing out all through the next year. Yeah. Well, I think that um, part of Aquarius energy and Uranian energy tends to serve like catalytic motion. And that might be where Jupiter comes into play with that first square on January 17th and, you know, give or take around the days, is that something is set in motion. Something serves as a catalyst to start the story or move the story. Um, And it could have, like we said with fixed signs, a lasting effect um, to which it just gets the ball rolling in, in some way. Um, and it's just interesting to think about one of the main issues that is on the talk of the news and, you know, in, in people's homes is financial situations. And to me, mm-hmm. that seems very much a case with Uranus and Taurus after going through uh, 2020, the year of the pandemic that hit uh, a lot of people in the pocketbook really hard and disrupted our whole concept of, um, you know, work and labor and how much does the government involve itself in your paycheck um, and, or how do we aid people along the way? And, you know, you know, one of the things, a lot of good, um, memes going around right now with the $600 stimulus check where, you know, like what, it, like someone had a meme where it was just like the smallest little thin piece of like a piece of pizza. Like this is the $600 stimulus check, you know? Um, and so questions like this are going to come up and that might be some of the breaking point with Saturn and Uranus in my mind is how do we now approach a economy um, and like you said, Gray, with the idea of uh, Aquarius being about ideas and mindsets um, and, you know, just how we think about life and community and the, and the whole framework of existence, you know, these are the things that might need challenging and might need restructuring with the uh, Saturnian principle. Because if we keep you know, what is like this, the definition of, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And so we're going to find that we're going to keep hitting against this, uh, you know, uh, brick wall of, you know, fixed energy. That's like, guess what? That doesn't work anymore. Or you're going to still have these problems and we're going to have to, uh, you know, another buzzword for Aquarius is innovate, you know, same with Uranus. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to innovate our approach um, to financial considerations, to what the the job market looks like, um, and these are long, you know, standing, long-reaching effects. This is going to have because uh, once again, like you said, we are now in an air age. There is no going back to the you know the productive, um, you know toiling labor. I mean, we're still going to have to work it, of course, but uh, just that really earthy sensibility of production and resource. And, you know, that time period is literally gone gone the way of the wind, I guess, <laughs> or we're entering into the way of the wind, I suppose. Um, and I think that that is going to be very much a part of it, kind of that financial structure of things. Definitely. And, and a lot of that stuff too, it's like what we all agree to as a as a consensus culture like what is money and what is the economy and there's you know definitely people that are really excited about 
cryptocurrency and whether it's you know specific one of those or something else there's definitely all kinds of stuff with the economy and the way that runs it's going to end up looking really different and again i think with the fixed sign that's kind of what you're saying like people getting stuck or like wanting things to be a certain way then realizing it's not going to work and then there's there's just really like these long lasting reconfigurations that are starting to take shape but they're going to be playing out for a while so you know in your personal life you're you're just going to be having to kind of like navigate through it and um you know do your best be um be um, creative and really participate in what's happening definitely it's definitely a time to be active in, in all those ways but you're gonna have to be you know probably continuing changing because it seems like the kind of thing like yeah like you're on a very sudden thing can change and it's gonna be erratic and it's like we're not going to necessarily know what's going to be like three or five years from now. So it's yeah. more just like, yeah, adjusting. It makes me think of like bobbing and weaving, yeah, you know, definitely. like you're in the box and mm-hmm. ring and you're going to have to go from this side and this side. And you're going to have to anticipate <laughs> the punches, you know, you're going to have to right. anticipate where the energy is coming from. And this really brings us uh, to kind of like a segue to kind of talk about the fact that we're continuing on the Gemini and Sagittarius eclipses, which are known for adaptation and flexibility of movement. Mm -hmm. And and maybe, you know, uh, as I keep saying, you know, plan to plan, but plan to change your plan because we are living in kind of short-term reality uh, here. So, and we're really pushing off into 2021 off a Sagittarius South Node eclipse. And I know mm-hmm. we, were, we were talking about that a bit. Um, so how do you think that kind of adds to the flavor of the fixity that we were just talking about? Yeah. I mean, the way I just think about that is just really like one of many other things <laughs> that we're talking about, just really kind of amping up the change and sort of the the chaos and these major endings, beginnings, major changes happening, you know, that we get this total solar eclipse that um, also had, you know, was separating from a square with Neptune, but in the same time period, Neptune is like forming a square aspect um, at the Southern bending of the, of the lunar nodes. So um, it's just this really huge um, change in the way where, um, orienting to our reality in, in all these different ways. And I think there's lots of different, I think the, the thing where we see where people are, are all over the place, like people just can't even agree on the same, on what the, people cannot agree on what reality is anymore. And um, I think that's just another sign of just how much things are changing. And that, um, I think it's also with that south node solar eclipse, the way, one, definitely one way I've thought about it a lot is that there really is a need to also go back and look at the roots of all these different issues that are playing out right now and sort through them and, um, and, and work them out more to try to disentangle ourselves from it rather than just be like, you know, this is like a new era and we're just moving on, you know, into it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and one other thing with that, with that South node, as we go right into 2021, basically Venus is going to cross over 
that south node of Sagittarius. And there's a thing called the Kali Sarpa Yoga, which I personally don't use um, really in my practice. But the Kali Sarpa Yoga is basically when all the planets are in between the nodes. So the one thing that will be breaking out will be the moon every once in a while. But while the moon is moving from basically, you know, wherever the south node is in Sag, right now it's about 18 degrees until it makes it across um, that degree, 18 or so degrees of Gemini, all the planets are going to be within the south node and the north node. And that's actually going to carry us all the way through the um, first quarter of the year. It won't be until the end of March, around March 28th, that Mars will um, get to the north node in Gemini and cross over that. Um, And my friend Kate Petty, who is in, um, she has an astrology site called Ambient Astrology, she was telling me it can mean general chaos on a very large kind of global level and just just adding to like the extremes of everything happening in these major huge changes in fortune. So that's different than the eclipse, but it sort of involves the nodes and like there just seems to be repeating themes like that where everything is sort of playing into this extreme extremity of change i mean another thing like that is right as we get into 2021 um mars goes into taurus uh, i think it's on january 6 which is uh troubling in the usa because that's the day that people are guessing um donald trump and the people his his uh seemingly mindless to me followers (laughs) i'm sorry i can't just go along with whatever he wants, are maybe going to try to stage something in Congress, which is probably not going to work, but it might just be a dramatic thing. But it's typical for that day, though. I mean, once Mars goes into Taurus on that day, it's going to, that's going to be another added thing where Mars just starts really volatizing this whole thing and moving, you know, to like square Saturn and square Jupiter and conjoin Uranus. So there's a whole bunch of things happening. Um, as we enter this like new era that are just like amping, th- it's just amping up the volatility to kind of get to, like this extreme level. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't heard about uh, the January 6th thing with Trump. Yeah. I, with- I th- yeah. It's, I think it's the day that the role, it's the day the vote. Um, oh, for Georgia, the Georgia something, something. Involving the electoral college and when it gets announced and then you can vote to, there are some congressmen that might vote against certifying the electoral votes, the official ones. And there's a way where it theoretically could end up going to Mike Pence to decide something, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not going to people that would actually involve like a lot of people in Congress agreeing to go along with it, which I don't think is going to happen. Well, let's, let's hope not. There's a- it's just something that's, 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 that's literally kind of, we already know is scheduled to happen on the day Mars goes into Taurus. That's well, just, and it's interesting you know, something to, that, yeah. It's interesting to think about because we know that Donald Trump is very much a Martian personality, having, yeah. you know, Mars near his ascendant in, in Leo. And he's always been that kind of like this destructive, like, you know, hot-headed, you know, force. And just Mars being in an Aries for half of 2020, you know, in its domicile there, you know, the second it hits 
Taurus, it's going into its into a detriment position. So hopefully that detriment position will not work in his favor. But it is troubling because part of the uh, eye-opening, you know, bit to me with the inauguration is that when the next president is sworn in, that is when Mars is basically exactly conjunct Uranus um, and all those squares are being activated. And the chart is just very interesting uh, on a first quarter moon that's going to activate it nonetheless. And so there's just some, there's a lot of volatile energy to January 20th that day just alone. So just to hear about these kind of lead up events is intriguing to me because I know that there's a story developing that's, uh, can't really be foretold at this particular moment because, as we said earlier, Uranus is always bringing surprise. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's the, that is the other crazy thing is definitely inauguration day. That's when Mars gets to Uranus and the moon's there. So, like, we don't, we can kind of see it's all there. <laughs> and obviously, in other countries, there's going to be something not as dramatic as whatever happens in that way for us here with what I mean it's in terms of like an inauguration and whatever kind of disruption happens with that here in the USA, but there'll be other, other places there'll be your own version of that, I guess, happening. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty wild that it's, yeah, it's totally timing. wild that that timing is lined up so exact with that. Yeah. I tell you, you know, I, I want to say that the planets, you know, they, I would think, they never cease to amaze me. You would think after all this time, I'd be like, oh yeah, figures. But no, I'm like, what? Really? The, the cosmic dance can be unreal sometimes, I tell you. It's like, there's, there's rhyme to that reason. Um, <laughs> so we do have, okay, so we have this Gemini, Sagittarius uh, energy that is at play still with the eclipses. Um, and like you said, with Mars, uh, I think it's going to be really big when Mars switches signs because we're going to feel... <laughs> A whole well, and then switching into, like you said, kind of the volatile area of the fixed signs. Like it was doing its damage in cardinal signs for you know the second half of 2020, and you think we'd get some relief, but it's like no, I'm moving on to the next hot spot of uh, astrological interest, and so Mars just seems to not be necessarily giving us any sort of break. It seems. Oh, and one thing about that with the. Um... Gemini side of the of the of the nodes, you know, it's ruled by Mercury. Gemini is obviously an air sign. We're having this air activation, and um, Mercury being the ruler of the North Node, its its retrograde periods are important to to consider. Mm-hmm. And the other th- major thing that happens related to air this year is that all of the Mercury retrograde periods are in air signs. So Mercury is just going to go around to each air sign and retrograde back and forth through it. And um, a lot of those are actually tied up with, well, like two of the three are tied up very closely with Mars. So um, the one in Aquarius is going to be, as we'll talk about, is involving Mercury squaring Mars and Taurus. And the one later in the year in Libra is going to be um, with Mars. It's like Mars is with Mercury in Libra during its retrograde um, yeah, that one's square Pluto as well, exactly, when it's stationed. So there's something yeah. then. <laughs> so there's, there's this major emphasis there. And, and Gemini being all about, um, on a positive level, we can again go back to like the new, the new perspectives being opened up, um, different options, you know, the mutable signs all being about transition. So it also really makes sense for this like transition time. 
um, different paths being opened up, not necessarily things not being very linear, just like once, you know, you're going to be kind of all over the place, maybe having to deal with different things happening, moving pretty digressively at times um, along your path. Um, But I think we want movement too. Yeah. I I think a lot of us want movement movement at this point. Definitely. There's, I think definitely. I mean, obviously there's going to be some, more tight, some tightening of things continuing with the pandemic, but it would seem that things will be eventually, you know, we're, we're moving into a period where, where things will be starting to open up at different periods during the year. And op- probably a lot is going to have to depend on the actual, the vaccinations, which, you know, obviously goes back in the USA to that same solar eclipse that you brought up because the vaccinations were, you know, televised live during the eclipse. So there's, there's something obviously there that we probably don't even know how that's all, but that's, that's important. And that, and that's, it's actually tied into these eclipses and that's going to be part of um, whatever happens with all this and, and the movement that starts happening. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, and we already know that it's kind of tied in where people are already like kind of pro- prospecting for the future. Like we won't be able to necessarily go anywhere unless we're like, you know, have are certified that we've been vaccinated in some way or there's some sort of, um, you know, and so there, th- that does play a big role in any type of movement that we are going to be able to make going forward. Um but I guess, you know, on, on the high side of things, because it's easy to go, uh, and I will preface that Gray and I are recording this as Mars is scoring Pluto in the skies, um, is that, you know, having all this emphasis in air with the Aquarius energy, with the Gemini North Node, with the fact that we have Mercury retrogrades happening in the air triplicity this year, is that air is, you know, the sign of aspiration and future potential and possibilities. Um, And this is where... Uh, you know, th- th- this is the high side of things. This is an idealistic side of things. This is where we dream up potentiality. And so that's an exciting, you know, kind of uh, breath of fresh air in some way, even though what we know that there's difficulty within that, it seems less oppressive in some way than all the earth and the Capricorn energy that we've been under. So I guess that's kind of our silver lining is the, you know, the cloud of air (laughs) and its main potential. Yeah. I mean, just like we're saying air is not stable, but air and it's all about movement. Um, But yeah, lots of like reshaping um, and thinking, you know, about how air like erodes earth structures, right. And that sort of like, it's like this sort sort of like this erosion of, these earth era things happening and, you know, the way air kind of like spreads seeds, um, mm-hmm. you know, and things take root in new places. Um, but yeah, you know, it encircles all of us in the atmosphere and connects us, um, you know, really up to this, the stars above and everything, right. It's pretty classic with astrology. So there's yeah. definitely a lot of the, the movement, the, there is potential for new things to come together, new alliances, new congealing of things. So there's, there's definitely some, some things to be hopeful about 
Yeah. And I mean, hope is actually kind of one of them because that's, yeah, if you look into the future, I mean, it's, a hopeful, it's, it's a hopeful energy. It's, you know, it's hot, and moist. it's hot yeah, and moist. It's hot and moist. It's springtime. It's like, it, it, and I love the analogy you just used of spreading seeds, you know, blowing mm-hmm. the seeds into the wind. Um, and that's a, that's a way we can look at it is it's, we're getting out of this kind of cold and dry phase. Um, and, you know, heat warms us up, moisture connects and binds things together. So there is that, and it could be a little more superficial in nature because air is known for that too. Um, but I think that that is going to be welcome in some way. Um, to all the earth energy and especially with Jupiter too, just being, you know, Jupiter is going to be both Saturn and Jupiter are now in, uh, you know, kind of a better triplicity standpoint to their, like, there's just a little better of a position, I think for both of those planets, which is exciting regard, you know, regardless of some of the things we talked about. Yeah. And like you said too, the air signs are human. Those are the human signs. So there is this humanitarian, component and like you were mentioning definitely it's all it's going to be about how figuring out how do we help people get through this um and if the government's you know not going to be doing it you know it's it's going to be about people needing to get mobilized and organizing things and figuring out what kind of communities and platforms they can create in in new ways and so there'll be a, a lot of new formations of things like that coming about for sure. I think power to the people. Yeah. Power to the people. Yes. Um, That's hilarious because somebody brought, when my um, last Patreon meeting, we were talking about all this and then um, uh, CV and, and my, and she brought that, that song up. She's like, I'm just getting the song power to my people in my head. And anyway. Yeah, I was like, what was I? <laughs> well, that song, if anybody wants to listen, it's Geraldo Pino and the Heartbeats. I think it's like. Oh, okay, uh, that one. Okay. I, I was thinking of the John, because she was thinking of the John Lennon one. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is like an Afrobeat song that's really okay, upbeat. Cool. And if you want to like boogie and dance and get down, it's like from the 70s. It's all power to the people, more power, power to the okay. people. I highly recommend it. It's probably more groovy than the, the It's Lennon. definitely groovy. You, you're, yeah. Your butt will be shaking <laughs> on this one. Um, and hey, we need that, right? Get moving. So, well, that kind of brings us to like a quick overview, <laughs> a not so quick overview, but it's kind of bigger. It's, it's kind of more important to actually spend time on these overarching themes um, just to get a sense of what this year really has in store for us. But so what we're going to do is we're going to break it down in hopefully a bite-sized chunks uh, by quarters. So we're going to go from solstice to equinox to solstice to equinox. Um, and of course, we just had our Capricorn solstice uh, on the 21st. And we know one of the big things about that solstice was the fact that Jupiter and Saturn are conjunct at the actual chart <laughs> itself. And we talked some a bit about that. Um, but I mean, we're pushing off eclipse season. Gray, do you want to talk about the ingress? Should we talk about the ingress chart itself and kind of just look at what's going on there? Or how, how would you like for to approach it. For, yeah. for our Capricorn solstice quarter, basically. Yeah, I think we can, I think we just for with the interest of time, we can, I think, I feel like we've kind of moved past that, through that already right. a little bit. Um, I guess one thing about that chart, though, which is what you've referenced, you know, with Mars square Pluto, is that that was in there. And, and I, I had to, Leading up to now, I had thought that was really interesting that 
when we finally get the Jupiter-Saturn coming together, that Mars has like made it back to Aries and be squaring Pluto. Um, and so even though that's not, you know, the, obviously the major thing about the solstice chart is a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. Um, but in the USA, it is technically ruled by Mars. It's, it's at the ascendant at the very end of Scorpio. And so that Mars squaring Pluto vibe is definitely there. And in this quarter, you know, Mars is a major player, especially in uh, January and February. Um, and so that, that's, that's a really important, important thing to me about that chart. Um, so I don't know if you want to go, do you want to talk yeah. more about that stuff that's going to happen in January? Yeah. So maybe we'll just give a rundown of some quick dates and like kind of a summary of mm-hmm. what we were saying. Um, and I think that is important. The fact that the solstice chart, because when we're looking at these ingress charts of the solstices and equinoxes, um, the idea is that they kind of carry an overall, um, energetic signature that plays yeah. out over that three-month period in case you're listening to us and going, what are they talking about? Um, so there is, you know, in this three-month period until we get to the Aries equinox and start of Aries season at the, you know, close to the end of March, there is this Mars-Pluto signature um, that is kind of adding to the, the you know, the force of change that really Mars is going to unleash during these first three months, along with that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, which is bringing us into this air age and, and really moving culture forward in kind of this first, um, you know, kind of burst of, you know, zero degree energy nonetheless. And it's so fascinating, Gray, to think about in this chart, having that zero degree energy of Jupiter and Saturn, but at least here in the United States, the ascendant degree is 29 degrees of Scorpio, which is this anoretic last degree, like something seems to be wrapping up or challenge. Something's coming to an end here, um, but something's also really freshly beginning as well with all the zeros and, and Mercury and the sun are conjunct at zero degrees Capricorn. And so it's an interesting blend of start and finish to me here for at least our country. Definitely. Um, something that, that also just on that particular chart that just to mention that I don't think people would be talking about otherwise too much. It's just Ceres and Pisces, I think is interesting. I mean, Neptune is kind of very angular, fairly close to the IC, but Ceres is actually like really angular, like right on the IC. And the whole year I've just been kind of fascinated by Ceres because um, Ceres was actually there with, with uh, Jupiter and I mean, I'm sorry, with Saturn and Pluto back last year in January mm, yeah. at the same degree. And I think there's something there about Ceres being there that relates to some of the issues that you were talking about, like with the, um, you know, people not, people being worried about money and finances and food and um, families and kids having to go to online school, at least in my state, everybody's going to online school and kids are having a really, really hard difficult a lot of kids are having a really difficult time with that Mm. um and so yeah there's just something about that that i think is interesting yeah we i think we talked about if anybody wants to go back and listen to gray and i talk uh in the second half of 2020 we brought up that um that series 
piece with, uh, you know, all the January conjunctions taking place in Saturn and Pluto, because it did end up uh, really adding a unique symbolism and, you know, archetypal significance to what was going down this year. So don't discount Ceres. She's got, she's got something to say within it all. Yeah. In fact, in Ceres, she'll be right exactly with Neptune on that ex- inauguration chart. Just as another another thing. Yeah, which makes me, um, yeah, I kind of want to take it to the inauguration chart. So, so based- yeah, so in January, though, I mean, one of the things that's really major is like we already mentioned, you know, you know we on that solstice, Mars is like ruling the USA chart. So it's important, but anywhere in the world, there's that Mars square Pluto. Mars um, goes into Taurus on January 6th. So that is a date to kind of be aware of that there's, there is stuff definitely um, increasing in tension right there. And what's, what I thought was interesting is it's, it's around that same time that Saturn is uh, helically setting and becoming um, invisible. And it's a few days after that, around January 9th, that it looks like Jupiter is too. I don't have the exact dates of that, but those are just like very rough sort of 15 degree ranges away from the sun. So it's sort of around that same time that Mars goes into Taurus that we're going to lose sight of Saturn and Jupiter, you know, where they're not going to be this visible omen in the sky anymore. And they're going to go into their invisible phase, which is going to, you know, they're they're not going to conjoin the sun. I think Saturn's on January 23rd around that and Jupiter's around January 28th that they're, that they, um, are basically reanimated by the sun and then they're going to become visible in February, which we'll get to, but there's ends up being this huge pileup of stuff happening in Aquarius in February. And uh, I think it's February 9th that Saturn becomes visible in February around February 16th or so that Jupiter does. So there's going to be this period where like, yeah, like just, you know, Mars goes into Taurus, sets all this off. Saturn and Jupiter basically go invisible. So there's all, there's all this stuff playing out, but there's something interesting about those planets not being visible. Yeah. And sort of, obviously that part that could be behind the scenes. Yeah. And definitely sets up the like February being the sort of like, it's just going to amp up February where we have all this Aquarius stuff and like the Saturn Jupiter becoming visible again. And um, yeah, so there's just, that's that's definitely part of it that and that's really getting stirred up right there i think it's um what are the dates of the the exact mars stuff it's um when mars january i think it's a january 9th that mark no that's oh that's the other thing so mercury um also goes into aquarius right right around that same time period. So I think it's Mars goes in on January 6th, Mercury goes into Aquarius on the 8th, and then we get Mercury with Saturn, Mercury with Jupiter, Mercury squaring Uranus. That's all like, you know, January 9th to the 12th, then January 13th Mars squaring Uranus, Mars squaring Saturn, and then like you mentioned, the 20th is when it gets to Uranus. So that whole like first three weeks of January we have, you know, Mars going from um, Saturn, Jupiter into Uranus. Actually, you know, it's Saturn into Uranus into Jupiter, and Mercury also, you know, in Aquarius, 
moving through there also. So it's, they're just, it's all really set off right there. Yeah. In and really the, good ways. To me, that's like, that is, there's just something, so much to be said for most of January, just because of Mars moving in on the 6th, basically from the 9th to early February, we're going to have, like you just said, you know, Mercury's there, the sun, Saturn, Jupiter, Uranus squaring in, Mars squaring in, you know, there's just going to be a, a very high fixed content. And so much of what we talked about kind of in the overview, we are going to see these things come to play. They're going to come to life um, during these times. And especially in when you mentioned uh, the sun meeting Saturn and Jupiter, uh, what is it, 23rd and 28th, somewhere around those zones. And so we're going to get a really, we're going to get a spotlight into what all this is about at that time, I think. Um, and then we're not really out, out of it either because then Venus joins the gang, uh, you know, February 5th and is there through much of February herself. So there's just a lot of concentration of all that fixed energy, some, some, some planet, you know, lighting up a lot of that fixed energy uh, during those first couple months um, of... Yeah, so yeah, definitely like some kind of... Big major volatility. Things really stirred up. As we very know, it's happening in the USA. There's going to be probably really troubling things happening um, in that time period. But yeah, first three weeks is Mars and Mercury really stirring it up, and then like you just said, I think it's it's about roughly the 23rd to the 28th of January. Like the Sun basically then moves across the Saturn Jupiter conjunction. Yeah. So yeah, then we get that really reanimated. And then it's like Mercury station retrograde at the end of the month. Like the day after the, the sun Jupiter. So there, right. okay. So what we're seeing here is we're seeing, um, it's interesting to watch the sun animate the whole thing as it, as it moves through this, this territory in some way. But of course, Mercury is stirring it up. Uh, we didn't really mention the fact that this is kind of a rare period where we also have all the planets direct at the same time too because Uranus up until that point yeah yeah because Uranus stations on the 14th so we know Mm -hmm. we're going to get a Uranian flavor of what we're going to see basically mid-January because Uranus is strong and stationing in the skies and so from the 14th until the 29th when Mercury goes retrograde in Aquarius we have all these planets moving forward we have the fixity and the volatility of the you know the Aquarius Taurus standoff with, you know, the moon, anytime it's in a fixed sign is going to be aggravating this in some way. Um, And we also have the, you know, culmination of Neptune meeting the bending of the nodes um, at the end of January Mm. too. So it's such an interesting mixture, isn't it great? It's like, it's hard to even put into words. (laughs) Like, Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's major. And the other thing is that the full moon happens in there too. So the full moon is, is um, the January 28th in Leo. So on top of all this other stuff going on, then we just get a full moon in Leo um, singing off even more. So, I mean, one of the things about this that gets set off in January that's going to continue to play out in February is this. Um, it's So it's not just Uranus-Saturn. It's like Uranus combined with Mars, you know, pitted against the, this, um, this Aquarius group that's, that's definitely kind of like got the Saturn in charge kind of thing. So um, 
it's just a, it's just a, it's just like, yeah, just, just like lit off kind of amplified, amplifying that conflict that's already there. Um, and I think if you, if you, some of it is pretty obvious, like we're already talking about it, you know, like, so like, um, the, the Aquarius Saturn directed side could be people that are, you know, wanting things to be very structured and have these certain rules in place, or you need to behave this certain way or, or think this certain way about things. And then the, the Uranus, um, Mars side of things really wanting to, you know, react against that and have more like, um, freedom of expression. Um, and, those those things just just really going against each other. I, I don't know. There's already that really interesting um, phenomenon, just interesting from an astrological perspective, that there is these massive farm um, protests in India. You know, at, with the Uranus and Taurus. Um, I don't know if there'd be more of that going on then. Mm. If something else happens with that, or just in general, though, these these Uranus and Taurus themes just get amplified and, the, and a lot of conflicts coming out of them yeah. and things and whatever happens in this time period it's, it's it's also something that's that's really going to be it's spilling over i think actually it's playing out probably for like a while actually but certainly spilling over into february and not i think it's just sort of things just really set in motion that um that mercury retrograde that starts at the end of january is going to just kind of take us into even deeper and things working out even more as we go across February. Um, and there may be not being much clarity regarding those events, whatever they are, um, until we get, you know, farther in like the next month, basically. I, I think you're right about that. So, so we're, what we're saying is basically kind of the end of January is very much a hot spot uh, for, for this year in a couple of ways, because not only do we have the sun animating Jupiter and Saturn and showing us what those themes look like, um, we have that full moon on the 28th that it has the sun conjunct Jupiter uh, and the moon basically lighting up a T-square with Mars and Uranus right as Neptune's on the bending of the nodes. So something is being put into motion, right? There's there's big activity. Leo always does things grand if it's a Leo full moon. Um, and the Neptune component, there could be grief centered around this. There could be surrender and letting go of something um, and having to really accept how certain things are in some way. And I know that a lot of people have been moving through grief-oriented situations for since November because uh, Neptune has been in this you know bendings position for some time now and so this is a slow moving uh, emphasis but paired with this time you know we might get that Neptunian action in there and like you said gray Mercury stations retrograde the next day on you know January 29th and then we have most of February to kind of assess maybe what has taken place um, there. Yeah, definitely. And I think there'll be certainly a lot of visible things going on in that time period, but on some personal issues or inner inner psychological issues or inner themes in some ways, I wonder about that Leo fool me and just really illuminating some things just because of a lot, like we were mentioning, like, you know, Saturn and Jupiter are both kind of undergoing their regeneration right there. They're both combust. They're both, mm-hmm. well, I mean, 
And that full moon, Jupiter's almost like Kazemi, actually. Yeah, but, it is. It's interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but um, something maybe really being illuminated, though, on a personal level, I wonder about that you might be that that you did about this dynamic that's going on with you, whatever it is. And I I think, you know, there's a way this plays out in the c- civilized world <laughs> or uh, with like these geopolitical conflicts um and then there's also just like your life and how you're dealing with with these aspects and i think on a personal level there really are some like big breakthroughs um that are possible and this this full moon in particular it might be unsettling or disorienting whatever is coming through um, but I think the 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 thing that's nice about Jupiter being there is to help you cohere and, you know, um, whatever this is, because Uranus can disrupt Saturn and, and bring in this, this um, different perspective. Um, it's, it's not linear, you know, um, and sometimes we can, you know, dissociate or we're not able to reconcile these these visions we get or these ideas we get about ourselves or we realize these new parts of ourselves that want to come out. Um, and I just sort of, so there, I think there's something about that on personal levels that's going to be going on. Um, I, I know people that I know personally are having some pretty major breakthroughs right now. Some people really changing their life in, in some really radical ways mm-hmm. that I know. Um, other people, it seems more like a real deep um, acceptance for the way things are and opening up to new things. And I think this full moon just is going to maybe some of those personal deeper changes in really getting illuminated. And it's going to be about um, finding ways, I think, to make space for this in your life. And how how are you adapting to these bigger changes, you know, um, we're all going to be going through our own individual personal changes within these much larger collective changes happening, if that makes sense. And, and we're going to have to figure out how do we just, uh, you know, adapt in our own smaller individual ways. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's a big full it's, moon. It's a big full moon. I mean, it's got, it's got Venus conjunct Pluto too. At the time of like a full moon, we always know there's relationship kind of aspects to it. And we're a lot of times pitted against, uh, you know, other people or other people are in the mix. And so personally and collectively speaking, this is definitely a hot spot of the year. And Gray, you're going to appreciate this. When I did, a, I always do my new moon tarot spreads. Um, for each new moon, I'll put it on my Instagram. And I remember back in uh, in Leo season when we had the Leo new moon. For some reason, in that one, I decided to be. I decided to add a card for what is waxing to uh, completion or fruition um, for the Leo full moon in January 2021. I don't know why. I, normally, I do it for the next full moon, but I did that one. And I remember the card I got was judgment. <laughs> And this seems like very much to me like a judgment full moon of like, you know, the aeon, like this is the apex of like kind of an awakening of some sort that is, you know. Like a judgment, judgment year. I know, I know. But it's so funny (laughs) to think think about that. So you're right. This full moon is like a definitely a judgment within a year of judgment <laughs> yeah it has it's, it's something here um so you know i think most of february we're kind of sitting back in the mercury retrograde where you know venus is kind of maybe softening over 
kind of, <laughs> you know, with some of the squares to the fixed uh, energies when she goes into Aquarius on uh, the beginning of February. Um, and yeah, and that's and, and that piece. Um, one thing I thought was interesting is we were talking. I was mentioning how the different planets kind of going into their own little underworld and visible phase. Mm-hmm. It's not as long and dramatic when Saturn and Jupiter do that, but it is pretty long and dramatic um, when Venus yeah. does that in this phase. And that actually basically happened at the beginning of February. So when Venus like goes into Aquarius and then Venus is basically in, in its you know um, long, long, drawn out, superior conjunction, underworld, invisible phase, um, where... Um, it's not coming out again. It's sometime in early May. I forget right now. We can talk about that later. But Venus basically, you know, goes into um, its invisible phase right there too. As 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 um, so that's also notable. There's there's sort of some kind of announcement Venus is making here at the end of January, going to the beginning of February, as she's like sharing, you know, her last light with us. Yeah. Right after she met Pluto and then she's like, okay, I'm going underground now. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll see you on the other side. Um, so that's, that's interesting. So yeah. Well, and then what kind of, it's interesting to see kind of the last half of that first quarter before we get to the Aries equinox is, you know, March gives us a lot of movement. It seems because we're going to have so much mutability going on at that point, really starting, you know, kind of March 4th, we got Mars moving into Gemini on March 3rd. Um, you know, uh, of course the sun being moving into Pisces, Mercury finally gets over. Um, why did I skip over? We skipped over, we skipped over February though. Uh, I I figured we have a lot of things to get through, but if you have anything, uh, like key, key key Uh, to add to February. Yeah. Well, just because February is really major, I, um, I think the main thing, um, yeah, so we, we can definitely speed up as we get into the, the next part, but February is just really major because all these, these planets, everything, everything is basically in Aquarius as a visible planet except for Mars and the, um, and the moon. And, um, like I said, um, there's going to be Saturn coming out um, to be visible again. Um, basically from like the 9th to the 16th, Saturn becomes visible. Mercury becomes visible. Jupiter becomes visible. Um, Mercury is basically um, retrograde the um, first few weeks of basically the first three weeks of February and just basically takes us like just basically really deeply stirs all of this up and it just seems to be one of the most just kind of key periods of the year because all that stuff that got stirred up in January, basically mm. Mercury just stations retrograde the end of January goes back. So when Mercury um, comes together with the sun on um, February 8th, it's basically squaring Mars um yeah that's significant 
<laughs> and at the same time, Venus and Jupiter are coming together. So it's like, so there's something that, that from that period, those first like, week or so of, of February, there's still this um, real, I think, feels like this real disruption and trying to come to terms with whatever has been going on um, that got really stirred up by Mars. But what's interesting is right after, as Mercury's conjoining with the sun and being reanimated, it's squaring Mars. Um, but then it basically moves into um, a conjunction with Jupiter and Venus. So there's, and so we have, at the same time, we have this, this really harsh Mars stuff going on. We have Jupiter and Venus coming together in Aquarius, which is, you know, obviously very positive. And Mercury just kind of backtracks right into them. And then Mercury stations direct February 20th, doesn't quite get back to um, Saturn and starts mm-hmm. moving forward again. So when it, um, it conjoins Jupiter on February 11th, but then it's just like, it's, it, it spends a really long time um, moving back towards Jupiter. Well, yeah, because they just end up kind there. of traveling together. Yeah. So there's something really major just in February about that where, and then we'll, you know, then we get, get into March where it just seems to be, a, it's a very, very pivotal Mercury retrograde period that, that really takes us into um, these Aquarian issues. We're going to have, you know, especially when we have the new moon in Aquarius in February 11th, we're going to have the sun, we're going to have the moon, Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn all in Aquarius. Um, one thing I was almost thinking about this with things sort of becoming visible and in this time period too, is almost like this, like kind of like gathering of clouds or something that, you know, we're just kind of sorting our way, you know, when you kind of are looking to see what the weather is going to be like or different shapes emerging that might be like signs <laughs> or something. Like there's something really key here. Um, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's just a much more important Mercury retrograde than normal, um, this, because it, mm. it's taking us into all of these issues that are going to be playing out the rest of the year. Yeah. And so January basically introduces them and then February kind of ruminates, yeah. moves it forward. And this is interesting to me, Gray, just seeing, um, Venus and Jupiter conjunct on that new moon on February 11th, knowing that they were in a sextile position for the solar or eclipse in Sagittarius that we're basically under right now. So it's almost like they come to meet in some way with their uh, agenda. And once again, to me, it comes back to this, um, this financial piece and uh, maybe talks of, uh, you know, conceptualizing some sort of program or idea for universal welfare. Because I know that's a, that's a topic that is in many countries right now. I know in Europe, and it has been going on, they're like, wait, you know, we need to take care of our people to keep economies running. And part of the things I was thinking about the, um, with the volatility of the inauguration on the 20th of January, seeing Mars conjunct Uranus is thinking about how that might affect the markets in some way, or, you know, like more, I don't know. I just some, to me, it had, there's this financial piece. Um, and there's this, you know, universal welfare piece that is very much tied into this square. And so I'm just wondering if there'll be more developments there. Um, in some way. And it also makes me think of like the early sixties when it was like 61, 62, I think it's 61. Yeah, yeah. Is that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm talking about 61. that period of super, super Aquarius. Mm-hmm. I have, I know some people that were born under that. And that's, it's, yeah, it's. Actual, actual Rose, maybe. 
Axel Rose is. I, I have Axel a. I have, Rose is born around he, he is. And <laughs> I have a close friend of mine actually that I used to work with that has this chart. Um, that chart from sixty one with a fixed rising, nonetheless. And uh, wh- what an interesting character. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is like the welcome to the jungle. The um, welcome to the jungle, New Moon. That's hilarious, <laughs> but, um That's funny. It's a great... I'm glad, this New Moon is really important, though, just to stand up for a moment longer, because, you know, Mercury has basically... is just separating from the square with Mars and heading back into that Jupiter-Venus conjunction. So this seems like this New Moon that's coming in that's really... Like you're saying, I think you're right. There, there very well could be some actual movement, especially in the USA, um, with recovering from whatever happens in January to moving forward and adjusting. And definitely in personal lives, this seems like a great time to basically begin kind of recovering and reorienting and figuring out what's coming. I think this is also like the Chinese New Year. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. February 12th. I was looking up the year of the metal ox which I don't know a whole lot about the Chinese New Year, but one thing I thought was interesting about that is I think the ox carries the rat in that story. That's right. right. Just, it's like, almost like this like year that's sort of about taking us across. I don't know. It's just something about that, you know, the ox and carrying us over this, this threshold. Um, well, last year was the, 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 the but, rat. So now it's... But this is like a big, <laughs> yeah, this, it's, a, it's a thing that really lines up really well with that this new moon, you know, Chinese new year and moving and really, yeah, it's, it's, it's a particularly powerful one, I think. And it'll be like a week after this, basically then, or I guess it's nine days, February 20th, Mercury stations direct. So there's still Mercury retrograde after this. Um, but this is after the Kazemi, you know, this is the period of Mercury retrograde. We're starting to recover. It's going to be meeting with Venus and Jupiter. It's, it's definitely going to be starting to get a better sense of what's going on. And then as we definitely, as you were mentioning, as we move into um, March, um, <clears throat> there's, um, it's, it's, there, it's not as volatile. I mean, there, there's, there's much more of like, we're not dealing with the same kind of amped up volatility that we were dealing with in, in January and February. Yeah, So it's definitely yeah. a period to kind of catch your breath and start moving forward, just, you know, literally with Mercury as Mercury moves forward. Yeah, I, f- I feel like, and it's so interesting to think about Mercury just slowing down the station on Jupiter too. So there's, to me, there's a lot of promise of like, whatever we had went through, whatever we conceptualized, whatever talks were behind the scenes, as you're saying, you know, a lot of planets kind of dipping in and under from view. Um, I don't know. There just seems to be some, like a, a bigger piece of forward momentum that can happen once we get out of that, that retrograde period. And it will be more mutable, you know, when all the planets go through Pisces. Um, but it's also interesting to think too, that at that point, we're going to maybe really feel the movement in some way because then we're going to have a lineup of planets squaring the nodes all through March where, Mm -hmm. you know, that nodal axis and the kind of that halfway point between eclipse seasons are, are triggered in, in some way. 
Um, yeah, definitely. So I think Venus goes into Pisces around February 25th or so. And then Mars goes into Gemini around like March 4th. So, um, there's yeah, basically March 4th Venus and, on, and Mars yeah. go into. Yeah. So then, yeah, we definitely have that mutable activation. And the other thing really major going on here is Venus is getting, um, closer and closer to the sun. So basically Venus is entire journey through Pisces, you know, she's in, like in, invisible in the underworld going across. In fact, we'll, you know, move across Neptune <laughs> and then it's going to be March 26th. So after she goes into Aries, um, she'll finally be, you know, make it to the sun and, and get reanimated. Um, but as that's going on, you know, like you're saying, like she's basically moving, she's going to move kind of with the sun and, you know, across Neptune and they're going to be squaring the nodes. And at the same time, Mars is going to be in Gemini coming to the North node. Um, and so there's, there's definitely that whole, like you're describing. Yeah. There's a big mutable activation. Oh yeah. And there's a new moon there on uh, March 13th that um, is pretty close to Venus and Neptune. There's, you know, basically somewhat squaring the nodes and Mars is heading to that north node. So yeah, middle of March, that looks like a, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I know. Some kind of I, fork in the road, but uh, you're, there's a fork in the road with Venus and Neptune at the crossroads. So, um, yeah, maybe there's something pleasurable there, and um, maybe there. Hopefully, there's something restorative. Um, but I guess the caution there, I think, would be, you know, getting kind of uh, not in touch getting a little too ungrounded maybe or yeah pisces can maybe. do that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would you know greg um uh there and i know a lot of people have a really difficult time with pisces season just in general depending on what your energies are if you work well with kind of that uh, pisces mutable space um because it can be it can really be emotionally disruptive for people or bring people uh, back to certain grief too i mean this is kind of a mm -hmm. this could be a ptsd time for a lot of what we've you know encountered maybe earlier in the year of 20 or in, of 2020 in some way where emotions kind of rise to the surface to be moved through because that's the idea of mutability is that um it's a changing space it's an adaptable space um and this is an emotional territory and so after leaving <clears throat> all the the air you know that kind of detaches and maybe is more superficial we get plunged kind of into the emotional depths in some way so even though it seems like muta the the mutability of march um can be opening in the sense that we're moving again and maybe we get a little relief. Um, it, it might uh, come back to us in a way, depending on how well we work with our emotional content in the months prior of whether or not there will be maybe an onslaught or a deluge of um, feeling that kind mm -hmm. of erupts once we are back in an emotional space, if that makes sense. Yeah. And this could also just be some nice, you know, there's some definitely good thing about Venus, Neptune, Pisces, and you know, there 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 might be some time just to make space for some just 
pleasure yeah, and creativity and imagination yeah. <laughs> and she yourself, is exalted, um, right? Yeah, let yourself just kind of yeah, um almost like taking, you know, very um makes me think of this taking this very like super healing bath. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the like, like kind of restorative bath time. Um yeah. Do you want to move into, I mean, the, the other thing then is, yeah, I think we can move into the next quarter. Our next quarter. Well, to yeah. wrap up our Capricorn solstice quarter, you got, you got like a word or a combination of word. Any like quick summary? Oh, of the, of the, of the Very first quick. quarter? Yeah. Whatever comes to mind. First thing. Just the, the volatility. It makes me think of the volatility of a new era. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm going back to what you said, Gray. Welcome to the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the <laughs> Yeah. I don't think it's we're not we're not in we're not in Paradise City. This is this is maybe um <laughs> stop. <laughs> this is maybe like uh I, the Venus Neptune might be the wanting that Paradise City, yeah, but welcome to jungle is more appropriate probably yeah yeah to the okay so well we we've made it through kind of like the (laughs) so funny made it to uh uh, okay so let's get to our aries equinox and we know that this is always i mean astrologically speaking when we get to the aries equinox this is kind of what we're looking to set up the year of 2021 in some ways because this is our astrological new year with the birth of spring and such um and there's a there's some things going on. Let's see what's going on here. So we'll look at our chart. It's, it, you know, it's fascinating to me is most of these charts, well, two things. Um, so we have the Aries equinox on March 20th. Um, and here we have another, uh, at least for the US, we have another fixed rising sign, which we did have for 2022. And so the theory is, is that, I mean, you can pull charts for every, uh, you know, solstice and equinox, but if there's a fixed ascendant on the um, Aries equinox chart, uh, the theory is that you can kind of look at this chart for the the year as a whole of what can kind of go down. Um, and I find it very interesting to see old Jupe Jupe, Jupiter's right on the ascendant for Washington. Um, uh, when I was one thing, you know, I'm not really sure about predicting political presidential elections, but one thing I had considered last year before, you know, all, everything happened was I kind of questioned like, would, would Donald Trump really be the president with this being the Aries ingress chart? Just because I know there's some people that really do love him in that sort of, because the midheaven is Sagittarius. So the ruler of the midheaven or the 10th house or like the government, the person in charge of the government is like right on the ascendant in Jupiter. You know, he's also very, he's so divisive that I was kind of like, I don't know. It would make more sense if he's not the president mm-hmm. with this chart. And I don't know, you know, there's, there's definitely, um, not like this charts really, I mean, there's a ton of North node and Gemini, action with it um but what is interesting to me yeah is just that that ruler of the midheaven is right on the ascendant so it does seem like there's some sort of like attention of the government on the people in some kind of way um the thing i i noticed too with a lot of these ingress charts this year is i think saturn is like ruling almost every single one of them uh 
Yeah. It's, um, so it's like Siren Aquarius, like keeps except, showing up yeah. as being like the American people basically in like the charts. Not the Capricorn Solstice one, but... But yeah, all the, the three that are actually in 2021. Yeah, because yeah, it's isn't Aquarius, the Aquarius, Capricorn. Yeah, because the Cancer one is also Aquarius rising and the Capricorn, I mean, the Libra one is Capricorn rising, I think. Yeah, is that right? yeah exactly. Yeah, so like there's, there's, there's something interesting about that, that there's something about the American people being connected with Saturn and Aquarius in these charts. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I like uh, I like Jupiter right there on on the ascendant. I, I'm hoping um, if we're talking about you know back to the power to the people and in the name of progress, you know, I'd like to think that there is some sort of stabilizing effect um, to what can be brought throughout this year it's definitely a little easier to work with than what we had last year in 2020 with you know mar was it like mars jupiter and pluto conjunct and capricorn <laughs> like that was a was a rough signature but now we see mars basically in gemini it's funnily enough it's exactly on my mars it's like my mars return mm. on this day wow. um and it's it's almost conjunct the North Node, um, but it's trying Saturn in Aquarius. So here we see this Mars and Saturn. We have both the malefics working together in in some airy way, which yeah. I you know I'd like to hope that that is. Well, that's a hopeful thing to say. Yeah, I mean the Mars <laughs> on the IC. I mean, definitely seems a lot of conflict. I mean, I think yeah, it could go with like the the conflict in the country. Yeah, on I the think you're right about front. that. But at least it's yeah, it's trining the Saturn though, so that's that is good. At least it's better than could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be square Saturn. It could yeah. be you know like at least maybe yeah. these are these forces. Because here's the thing: is that I don't know. A lot of us, I feel, are looking for disruption and we might have ideological disruption. And so it's almost like we need that in order to get the Uranian stability we're looking for here. Like we need new ideas. We need to challenge the foundation of things. Um, and even though that doesn't make for a comfortable bed to lie in, we still have to do that um, in order for things to change, because um, we are talking about challenging ideas, it makes me also think about oh, what's what's this you know what's the information going to look like around here too, and or you know <laughs> the the internet and all all that, and just ideas and opinions and all that flying around uh, even more too, um, just adding to the air yeah. quality of the year. I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, I mean. Yeah, the moon there it's as well. The moon is technically looks like it's applying to a trine with Jupiter right on the ascendant. Yeah, so that's almost like a just another further sign of the people and that Jupiter midheaven figure connecting. I was going to say the moon's also applying to square Neptune, but it looks like it's actually it's hitting Jupiter first. But it is still interesting to me that that Neptune moon thing is in there too, just because we're on this theme of like the moon, you know, the, the can't seem to get away from that. Um, but it, yeah, the moon is technically going to Jupiter, it looks like to me. So um, maybe there is going to be, I mean, it could be a sign of like you're saying, maybe some, some sort of relief programs or restructuring happening. Although there's, 
obviously signs of conflict in this chart also. But yeah. Well, it's also interesting to see that really our central focus, um, you know, kind of the ingress charts, we're obviously looking at the sun. That sun in Aries is kind of, it's kind of, it's got Venus combust there, right? Uh, on the fixed star sheet, which is interesting, having her at 28 degrees of Pisces, she's, which is a kind of a, well, can be a messy place sometimes um, for energy, but also one, and also a very visionary place too. Uh, it's a, it's visionary, that, yeah. With that place. Yeah. I'm sensitive about the, about those comments because I have some stuff. I know you places. do, don't you? And like <laughs> well, then you know wanna, better than people anybody. Wanna, people want to dump on that star all the time. I know there's been some apparently bad historical events lined up with it, but yeah, well, I do think it's visionary. And I think what's interesting about that star also just because like, you know, people are talking about this being the age of Aquarius and not being right about that. But that star at the end of Pisces is in Pegasus, the Pegasus mm-hmm. constellation. And that's actually, I'm pretty sure, where the procession of the equinoxes is generally lined up. So there, I was actually just thinking recently how it's kind of an interesting, the Pegasus just like going from Earth to air and the Pegasus being the horse that grows wings you know it flies and it's connected with like the muses and inspiration and that actually is where the more like where the processional point is um i think i've i've, I've read that before anyway yeah, yeah. we got we got, yeah. we got we got a we got a pegasus thing happening here <laughs> pegasus pegasus kind of goes with me to the to this Air era transition we're in. Yeah, I was gonna say here we got a flying horse. You know, like what? Uh, what's not to like about that? That's but it uh, is like break. It, 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 I think it's like shipwrecks that might go with right or something. But like, well, I've noticed I've breakthrough seen vision though. Definitely, I mean, breakthrough also vision this, can this, be like there. Almost, but it, um, sort of in almost like a Promethean way. I think sometimes it can be like almost like getting too ahead of yourself. Um, and I think there is something interesting there about that, just which we could tie back to Aquarius and this Uranus Saturn thing that's playing out because um, we're just because that's something that's going to be going on. And, and you know, Uranus, we we connect Uranus with um, Rick Tarnas famously connected Uranus with Prometheus, who you know once because there is like this liberating aspect of of Uranus and um, bringing this vision to to the people, but there's also sort of like, what do we, what do we actually do with that? What have humans done with this fire? And Prometheus is also this figure. That's this divine figure. Right. And he, he sort of sacrificed, like he, he can see the future, but he does this pretty much willingly because he knows he's going to, that's going to happen to him. So he like comes down into the mortal realm to be like basically suffered and tied up to this like rock. Right. And then, but if you look at an Aquarius, um, one of its constellational images is actually this mortal um, Ganymede who was like this prince of Troy and this like ideal, beautiful prince, um, shepherd figure who Zeus, you know, sees and like, you know, sends his eagle down to basically like, a, like abduct and like pull up to the heavens. Um, and so there's, there's, there, there are actually like these reverse symbolisms in that way of like Prometheus like kind of coming down with his vision and, and Ganymede um, being snatched upward and then um, being in the role of like serving the nectar of immortality to the, 
gods. And so there's, there's something about this with like the, the Aquarius, Uranus, Taurus squaring the Aquarius stuff that I think, that I think is just going to be in play with this, these ideas of like of people having these big visions and breakthrough visions, but then it's sort of like, what are the um, impl- implications of this? Um, which can, which can be negative in some cases and you can kind of set something off that goes in troubling directions. But I think on a, again, the positive side of it all to me is sort of like a, like Aquarius is also this figure we think of like, um, bringing those visions down, you know, into humanity and figuring out ways to like serve people. And, um, you know, if if there can be ways to kind of like have this, I guess it's sort of like, I'm thinking like a interplay between these two realms of like, you know, going up to this expansive vision, um, that's getting, getting opened up, but then being able to kind of bring it down and somehow integrate it and find out ways to like apply it to help people out. Yeah. I don't know. I just think these things are all just really in, in play and, and I think that could be, I think that could be part of it for sure. It's interesting though, to think that when we think, when we look for results, you know, um, manifesting results, we really only have two, we have two planets in earth science and they're both kind of volatile in nature. We've only got, we've got Uranus and mm-hmm. we've got Pluto. Um, mm-hmm. And so I feel like this year has a lot of conceptualization to it. Definitely. And a lot of, um, you know, inspiration and kind of the visionary ideas, but how much we'll be able to implement um, that could be in question because there's probably still the uprooting that needs to happen um, with Uranus and Pluto being in, you know, in, in the earth realm. So I wouldn't look for immediate result, you know, like, ta- like the craziest of tangible results, but it does open the floor for a lot of um, what you were just talking about, basically. And I also think that's interesting around this time too, because Mars being uh, around this degree of Gemini is also activating, um, you know, the eclipse point of November 30th. And so whenever Mars comes around and activates, um, you know, gets in, gets into a conjunction or, um, or even like an opposition to the eclipse point, um, there's something about those eclipses that happened, you know, November 30th and December 14th, that as Mars rolls through, um, they, you know, Gemini, that space, uh, that, something's going to be transmitted at, at that point or some information is going to come out that is tied into maybe that piece of time or a story that's been developing since then. Um, and so you can look in your own life and see what was going on, you know, at the end of November, mid-December and kind of play that out in your own mind. But I think that might play into this as well. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. It's a really good point about about that eclipse point. Um, I know with time we should keep That's, moving here. Yes, keep it all and, going. Um, the th- one other thing about March, um, right after this, like I already mentioned, there's the Venus Superior Conjunction. It's pretty, it's actually pretty close to Chiron and Aries. So there's something about the new Venus cycle getting seated here where, you know, it's kind of mixed up a little bit with Chiron to a degree. Um, and then it's right at, this is like a, at the same time that basically Mars is like hitting that North node. So this would be the, when I mentioned before about like at the beginning of the year, we enter this like Carly Sopra, mm. uh, yoga where all the plants are between the nodes. This is the point where like 
one of them besides the moon finally like breaks through and it's it's mars crossing the um north node at the same time venus is is being reborn basically um at this point of its cycle so um yeah it's it's really just kind of goes along with the themes we're already talking about um venus is still going to be invisible until we get into may or beginning of may um but at least we'll be starting to move away from we move away from the sun and you know now you know it's being reanimated and um this can often be a time of like um some important realizations about your life and relationship patterns and that sort of thing not always like not always happy but can be you know at least you know illuminating something venus is getting illuminated here um and with chiron there too um looks like some pretty deep deep issues um certainly speaks to all the you know fracturing and society things going on to me and different issues around um, oppression and people's identities um, getting coming into this too, perhaps with Chiron there. Mm. Yeah. But, it's um, also interesting to see Mercury square the, at, at the bendings at that time too, and squaring that Mars. Right. So yeah. adding to, so basically. Right. Mercury, and then coming to Neptune. Yeah. Exactly. So there's, there's some real stuff happening here. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of March, basically there is a, a, a kind of a there's rebirth energies with venus we got mars pushing some kind of destiny formation with the the north node but also getting us past the the hump of like the volatility period maybe in some respect you know to go along with the yoga kali yoga (laughs) am i saying it right um and then mercury kind of pushing that area too so there's something about the end of march that is um change in the story change in the story and in a cardinal way too because we haven't had some cardinal energy in a while um and so now we're feeling kind of that that starter action that initiatory um you know new beginnings that aries brings in too so um there's something starting to me at this time as well definitely and that and that kind of basically carries over i feel like you know through april um um, and then there's a, definitely the, a big shift in the, um, middle of April, I guess, you know, as, as we go from that into beginning of April, Mercury goes into Aries and that's around the same time it actually goes invisible. Um, and then what is it? April 11th, we get this new moon in, um, Aries. So, um, Oh, you know, I meant to say that was, we, it's, it's, it doesn't really change what we were talking about. There was that full moon in Libra on March 28th, which is, was right after that chart you showed, mm. um, that really just, um, sort of double doubles down on, um, oh, I'm really feeling into that Venus, that new Venus. Cause yeah, oh, yeah. We, we get the new Venus on March 26th and there's like a full moon two days later in Libra, you know, with Venus and Chiron together, like where the full moon's like opposite them. Right. Yeah. All in the so, same degree, eight degrees. Yeah, oh, I right. know someone with that moon. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So that's, um, 
that really takes us, that really gets illuminated, illuminated there. So that, that's, this seems like a big personal illumination here. I'm, I'm sure there's world events that this shows up with also, but. but this, is, this is personal. This is relationships. This mm-hmm. is connections of all sorts. There, yeah. There, some things are going down once again. So we're looking at March 26, basically kind of like March 24th through the, you know, March 30th. This is kind of a hot spot area for mm-hmm. For relationships, relationships especially. yeah, yeah, and then Mars with the North Node, so like that's definitely like an amped up Mars and Gemini quality, where that can certainly with relationships be coming in with like just interest and different things being stirred up, perhaps if there's seems very conversational, especially as the Moon then goes mm-hmm. on to to. Um, it's basically the moon is going to form a grand trine with Saturn and Mars at that point too. So there's some, there's something's getting aired out being spoken about. Mm -hmm. It seems like a turning point um, for relationships. Yeah. And then, um, so soon after that, that Mercury goes into beginning of April, Mercury goes into Aries. And then, um, like I said, that new moon on April 11th is basically squaring Pluto, um, sextiling Jupiter, I think, something like that. Um, and it's shortly after that, I think it's April 14th, so in the middle of April, that Venus goes into Taurus. And um, Mercury is like moving fittingly for being in Aries, it's moving super fast because this is like Mercury is like heading towards its superior conjunction. So Mercury just kind of is flying through Aries. It hits, it's, you know, it gets reborn superior conjunction on the 18th, a few days after Venus enters Taurus. And then by the 19th, Mercury is in Taurus. So from like basically April 14th, you know, into that next week into like 19th, 20th, we get Venus and Mercury going into Taurus, then Venus getting to Uranus on April 22nd. Um, so that's a, that's a really major change that comes in, comes in there. Um, and it's um, now it's like the Uranus and Taurus getting that Venus Mercury action, as opposed to um, back in February when they were in Aquarius with um Saturn and Jupiter, you know, so now, now that's, that's really getting hit there. So that, that seems like that's some kind of big, you, you know, the Uranus thing comes in again, really strong here. So I think it's April 22nd, Venus is there. Mm-hmm. And the next day looks like April 23rd, Mercury is there. Um, Mars goes into Cancer, basically, then two, then Venus squares Saturn, Mercury squares Saturn, like 24th, 25th. And what also happens there, um, leading up to the full moon in Scorpio, is Mercury um, comes together with Venus. Um, And that's important because they're just going to, as we'll see when we get into May, they're just going to keep kind of traveling together. Like Mercury will get ahead of Venus, but it's going to station retrograde. Um. And uh, that full moon in Scorpio would be another kind of important point just to kind of mark when you're talking about those different like hot spots, mm-hmm. you know, but as opposed to that full moon in Libra, we were just mentioning, it seems very personal. This is, I'm sure personal, but this is also big 
um, events getting set off because, you know, it's a full moon in Scorpio, basically opposite Uranus and it's squaring Saturn. So now it's like the Scorpio full moon comes in and like sets off this whole thing, you know, that we've been dealing with. So there's some kind of big, you know, there's some kind of mid April up until this, there's some kind of buildup, right? Where like, Venus and Mercury are kind of going over Uranus and something about Uranus is getting really activated. Then we get this like full moon, you know, setting off Uranus, this Uranus-Saturn action. So Yeah, it's interesting because there seems to be, I mean, Aries new moons, if we pull it back to the new moon on April 11th to kind of play it out, because it's nice to kind of look at the new moon and then think about the full moon that mm-hmm. results from it. Um, and knowing that Aries new moons are always kind of setting the stage for something new to be born. Um, It's fascinating to me that at that time, too, Mars is forming a trine with Jupiter. And so just thinking about the forward momentum that can happen when Mars and Jupiter are working on the same page, you know, because once again, Jupiter just kind of pushing the story forward. Um, Mm -hmm. So it just seems a lot of dynamic energy behind it to then get to that full moon that you're talking about on April 26th that has the Uranian component after, uh, you know, Venus has been on Uranus, Mercury's been on Uranus, the sun is getting very close to conjuncting Uranus. So it seems like there is this, um, this kind of Aries push backed by also backed by, you know, Mars being the ruler of Aries trining Jupiter. So there's, there seems to be this forward momentum that then culminates to kind of the, the shocking component of Uranus that is pieced out and parsed out along the way as the, the waxing moon begins to build through April, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It does. There's, yeah, this is a definitely like a big full moon. Um, it's also, you know, Mars is in cancer. So it's, um, the moon sort of, as it's coming in, waxing to fullness, it's like moving across a trine, um, with Mars, so they're um, mutual reception there. So there's, yeah, it's definitely looks like a like a big, a big full moon. As a full moon in Scorpio's often are right, but this is definitely setting off these like much bigger collective patterns. Mm, um, yeah. And then right at the same time, Pluto's stationing retrograde. Um, of course. So there's also yeah. just like this really deep um plutonic quality so like even you know i know some people would think about pluto ruling scorpio but this is a legitimately no matter what your um you mean if you're a traditional astrologer this is a legitimately plutonic full moon because it's also stationing so um yeah very very deep something and 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 basically then this full moon is taking us into another one of the really big months of the year, um, which is, which is May where there's just a lot of, um, a lot of movement, a lot of change coming in. Um, so it's definitely, it seems like a very pivotal full moon. That's, that's taking us into some like big changes. Cause basically then we go into May, um, we got, Mercury going into Gemini and actually same time Mercury is going into Gemini. It's, you know, becoming visible is likely rising. Um, Venus is also becoming visible um, in Taurus. And then Venus soon after that goes into Gemini. 
Um, Mercury moves across the north node. We get this new moon in Taurus. And then right after that, we get Jupiter entering Pisces. So there's just a bunch of things that all just kind of happen. Um, in that middle of May, when, when Jupiter goes into Pisces, that's a really big deal, obviously. You know, we have Jupiter changing signs. Um, it's, it's leaving that, that place of being with um, Saturn and Aquarius. Um, and now all of a sudden we got a really different thing happening where we got, you know, Mercury in Gemini, um, Jupiter in Pisces, Saturn in Aquarius, you know, they're all in really strong placements, um, sort of contrasted with Mars being in its fall of cancer. Mm. But, um, yeah, this is, this is a, a big deal with Jupiter entering Pisces and it, you know, within two weeks of this, we get to a, um, a lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. So the, you know, we're only, we're only in Jupiter being there for a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden we get this like eclipse that, um, Jupiter is like ruling. So there's, there's, yeah, just a lot of, um, momentum, I guess would be a way to just a lot of momentum behind this entrance of, uh, of Jupiter into Pisces. Mm, and, you know, I think this is something a lot of people are looking forward to in the year, um, getting Jupiter back into one of its signs. Um, it is a sign of a lot of um, imagination and vision. Um, and um, so hopefully, I mean, I guess that the higher potential of this would be, you know, getting some more... Um, big ideas and, and synthesizing understanding together um, about what, what's been going on and, um, you know, to, to make some cohere, whatever's been come fractured, um, making space for the new visions and the new change and maybe, um, you know, potentially movement opening up more to just in general by this point, depending mm. on your, however your country's dealing with the pandemic and the, you know, a lot depends on a lot of these factors like vaccinations and all that, like we mentioned, but definitely well, could all be happening here. Yeah. And I, I think that that might, um, just because we get that focus on mutability again too, but this is the first time basically right as Jupiter's moving into Pisces, that we get, you know, Mercury meeting the North Node in its own sign. You know, we haven't had that happen yet, I don't think, and since the nodes have been in in Gemini and Sagittarius. Um, and then we have Venus that's going to go in there. And so to speak to the movement, because we haven't actually had a, a new moon, uh, you know, North Node eclipse yet. And so no, that's coming in. June, that's coming yeah. in. We're, we're almost there, but there's something that I just kind of wanted to add that in with what you're saying about movement opening back up in some yeah. way. Now that we have Jupiter in, out of Saturn's territory, um, yeah, there, there just seems to be something opening. Uh, yeah, I mean, at, at yeah, because like Venus is right close to the North Node. Mercury just passed it. Like you said, the Moon just passes over it. There's a bunch of even that. North Node and Gemini is kind of really activated when Jupiter makes its entrance. So that definitely is showing movement. 
Yeah. Um, so there's something actually I, I heard um, Austin Kopic say on a forecast about um, Jupiter being connected to rain and um, that being one of the, you know, sort of like epithets of um, Jupiter, like bringing the rain, like in, like in Pisces, which I thought was neat. But the, and then I was actually working on something related to um, the Jupiter Saturn thing in Aquarius. And I came across uh, this Homeric epithet for Jupiter, which is um, cloud gatherer, which I really liked as sort of an idea of Jupiter being an Aquarius. Like I was sort of saying, like sort of like gathering a cloud. So kind of combining those things together, something I'm sort of, I think is an interesting symbol with like Jupiter going into Pisces and almost like these, like there's some sort of a reigning of imaginative, you know, reigning of vision or imagination coming down, like whatever's been building up with that whole Aquarius part, right? It kind of gets into Pisces and Mm, in the the way rain can, yeah, it kind of pours or something kind of gets dislodged or, and it's, you know, it's just a little bit, I mean, what it's, it basically there for the rest of May, it goes in May 13th. I think it leaves around July 28th or so, or 29th, something like that. End of July, yeah. End of July. So it's not there for too long, but um, it will be a time to, yeah, like, yeah, just really open up to some inspiration um, for people that like to elect things with astrology. It'll, it'll open up a lot of more possibilities with electing things, get a good chart to do something, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Having, I know I'm I'm looking forward to my solar return this year. It has, I luckily I'm born during that period. I'm going to have all these planets in their own signs. And I'm like, Oh, how fascinating. Finally but enough about me. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, so <laughs> I'm excited for Jupiter moving to Pisces, even if we only get it for a couple months. I think that it's going to be um, uh, a sweet spot of the year. Also adding a little bit to the the connectivity of things too. And, you know, having so much um, Aquarius emphasis earlier on in the year um, and adding to the water component, you know, like bringing more of that binding quality and that connective quality and that relating quality. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And I guess the contract, I mean, you know, in that traditional breakdown of like the hot and moist being air and water, cold, moist, you know, Jupiter's just kind of staying on that moist, bring things together, but it's true. Um, Pisces does have that sort of inner expanse of a, so, um, yeah, there might be this just like inner insight really coming out here. Maybe things kind of, maybe almost like slowing things down a little bit to um, pick up that that deeper vision that's been building up for you. Mm, um, and then Mercury is literally s- slowing down at the same time. Um, so things are kind <laughs> of slowing down, I guess, um, and intensifying yeah. here at the end of May. So yeah, it's like May, what, May 29th, the Mercury stations retrograde, but like right before that, um, so we have our lunar eclipse, yeah, yeah. May 26th. Yeah. That Jupiter. So, so here we have a South node lunar eclipse. That's pretty tight because then it's happening at five degrees. The nodes are at 10 degrees. So it's a pretty, 
pretty tight eclipse. And like you said earlier, Gray, it's, um, you know, has a rulership of that Jupiter and Pisces, which I, you know, I, I, I love the cloud analogy and thinking about, you know, whatever's collected then gets to pour because it feels like Jupiter mm-hmm. and Pisces over, also um, adds and maybe with the Sagittarius component too of this lunar eclipse, some sort of like spiritualization quality um, to everything, you know, like a, a, a richening of um, spirit in, in some way in, in maybe in the world, but especially in your own life, you know, like coming to some sort of like spiritualization point for as part of your growth, um, which I think can happen. Um, but this, a uh, lot of, uh, so here's our turning point. Here's another turning point, basically the end of, it's interesting how we're getting these full moons. And then a couple of days later, we're getting Mercury stationing. So there's something that's like climaxing. Yeah. And then Mercury's like, eh, think about it, back it on up. <laughs> yeah. So this is an interesting one, right? We, so we got lunar eclipse on May 26, followed by basically right after this Venus, Mercury is slowing down. So Venus and Mercury are basically coming together in Gemini. At the same time, we, we get this lunar eclipse. And then Mercury goes retrograde a few days after the lunar eclipse. So the lunar eclipse does have like, it's basically a Mercury stationing at the same time. So even though Mercury is like not right by the eclipse, it's definitely sort of intensified as the eclipse is happening. Um, And so, yeah, Mercury is ruling the North node and the sun in Gemini and Pisces, I'm sorry, Jupiter and Pisces is ruling the eclipsed moon and the south node. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's they're all kind of really strong. So it just seemed like this, yeah, it's a major eclipse. Um, and we'll just have to see. I mean, it's that definitely, a, a, there's some kind of big big event happening here, it seems like, and, and yeah. changes. It, well, it makes me think too, and I like that they have the strength of their planetary rulership behind them. Um, so that's that's nice uh, in, in the quality of the eclipse, but it's fascinating to also see that Venus and Mercury both are in that square to Neptune because it, oh, yeah, right. it, it likens that's back the... to this time last year yeah. um, when, you know, Venus doing her retrograde cycle um, in a square to Neptune. And so now we get the mercurial flavor of that instead. And we knew that that um, coincided with some social unrest, not that that's like Mercury's agenda per se, but it's just interesting to see this time a year, uh, two years in a row colored by a retrograde that then involves uh, Neptune in some way in these mutable signs. Yeah, I knew I was forgetting something. Um, So yeah, I think Mercury squares Neptune the first time on May 22nd. And then after going a retrograde, it comes back and does it again on June 5th. So really is, yeah, it's like a couple of weeks of like them just like squaring each other, you know, they're, they're in between these two exact squares. Um, and Venus, like you're saying at the same time, is just like moving across and squaring Neptune as it's conjoining Mercury and Mercury is stationing. So, again, that's the thing where, like, a lot of these aspects, you know, um, there can be um, people having hard times dealing with reality and, you know, um, these these whole, like, ideological wars going on and people mm. locked up in their own perspective. But it's it's, again, a very, like, 
as we talked about last, on last year's forecast about the same type of thing, this could also be very creative and imaginative. And if you're an artist or musician or a writer or anything, create, I mean, any kind of creative thing, designing anything, building anything. I mean, this is also like a very, there's some sort of visionary aspect that could be opened up there too. Um, but it could definitely be kind of, tricky to navigate with just like the eclipse energies, you know, this is all happening yeah. between eclipses. So things are not going to be clear. It's going to be important to try to like, you know, have, have, have your own kind of fantasy fun. You know, I don't mean that you don't, you can be foolish and all that sort of thing, but um, it's going to be important to try to do your best. I think to also kind of like sort through what's going on. Cause there could be some, you know, in between eclipses, stuff that's, you know, more, more going on. And it seems in a, and that would certainly the, seem to be the case with like Venus and Mercury squaring Neptune. Yeah. And well, and we know that this time of year too, we just witnessed it with the last eclipses. We witnessed it back in uh, early June of 2020. You know, these are when uh, social media news outlets are viewing all types of things at us. And so this mm-hmm. is kind of the um, try to discern what you read, you know, <laughs> like it could be a little confusing of what the information that's put out there and what is, what is fact, what is fiction. Um, also the, you right, the use of your imagination. Imagination is a beautiful thing. Um, but sometimes it depends on how we use it, uh, to where at times it can be harmful and at times it can be the most glorious thing that's ever been. And so it can be hard to navigate the imaginative, imaginative and ideal realm sometimes. So you have to try to take things, I guess, with a grain of salt, but also use, like you said, Gray, like if you are, we're all artistic people. We all have some sort of artistic uh, essence mm-hmm. in our blood, but um, especially for you that you guys that do it on the daily, I think this is going to be a really activating time, especially to revisit old projects too, if something's been sitting on a shelf and needs new life again. Um, I think June, uh, late May and early June are going to have that quality to it. Yeah. Definitely. I see you, you moved your chart here to the... Uh, I think I'm at the last... Point. Oh, am I at an interesting... Oh, I am at an interesting point. <laughs> Look at that. So Mercury square... Uh, so Mercury, Mercury squaring Neptune, exactly, yeah. As Mars opposes but Mars is Pluto. opposite Pluto. Yeah, <laughs> Mars is... Yeah. So. With the moon actually in a T-square. I really did just take it to an interesting yeah. point in time. So that's, that's June 5th. So that's the second square of... Uh, so Mercury is still retrograde at the beginning of its retrograde, squaring Neptune again. But it's definitely entering that combust zone of its retrograde. And yeah, something is very much stirred up here with Mars being in cancer opposite Pluto at the same time. Um, And then it's right after this, within a week on June 10th, that we get the total, well, it's not actually not a total solar eclipse, but we get a solar eclipse and it's, you know, still pretty closely square Neptune. What's kind of amazing about that solar eclipse is it's happening basically at the exact same time that Mercury is um, conjunct the sun at the inferior conjunction. So the eclipse and Mercury, retrograde are all whirled up into like the same uh degree basically yeah within a degree of one another um so this is some sort of really deep um mercurial eclipse um 
and um, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what ends up happening. Um, one yeah, thing I'm it curious makes, as Mercury would be. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think about Mercury retrograde being good times for research. Not like I would pick this as like an election for research, but I feel like if you're Mercury and Gemini retrograde, I think it has like this really intense. Um, depth of thought, you know, it's very slow and like pouring into things and, and bringing these different perspectives together. And I, it might be interesting if you're engaged in some kind of research, I'm just thinking with it also squaring Neptune, it could be, you know, like these new things getting unveiled. It might be an interesting time for anyone working on those kinds of like research kind of projects, what they might uncover, you know, you not, might not really make sense of it right here, but that would be a more positive side of this to me. Hmm, um, I'm curious. I'm just going to step this ahead. We're looking at a chart, yeah. but I'm just going to step this ahead uh, real quick to see something. Okay. Um, I'm interested. This is interesting to me because this is really the only North node. Oh yeah. Solar eclipse right. that we get with Gemini. With Gemini. Yep, and, and, it and it has Mercury retrograde and its own sign with it. So this is this yeah. is just intriguing to me from uh <laughs> from you know just this I is mean, the only uh, one we get. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's again, you know, this is we're repeating this theme of like we have Mercury retrograde in air signs in this new era of air and while of course, you know, this can signify Mercury being a lot of volatility and conflict and people arguing, um I do think you know, Mercury is all about bringing together polarities and holding, holding, being able to hold different perspectives, um, especially in Gemini. Yeah. And being able to, like, like you're saying, you're curious. You know, being curious and listening, well, navigating duality too. Yeah. So, like, there's a thing here where um, it's definitely going to stir a lot of things up in an eclipse kind of way. But again, it might be really another key kind of like orienting to what's going on um with all this and this one is obviously really hitting that neptune hard so and it's basically you know it it might tie back in some way it's basically whatever it's going to be in the opposite point of where you we just had the the um solar eclipse in sagittarius a couple weeks ago or i guess it was last week on december 14th so you know that was a total solar eclipse in Sag, like 23 or so. This is a solar eclipse in Gemini, about 20 Gemini. So it's going to be in basically pretty much the opposite place of your chart, the opposite house. And um, different thing coming in here for sure, but it's definitely part of whatever that Gemini Sag eclipse story is for you. Well, and so... What's also interesting, and I know we're, you're going to want to talk about this, and this might be our wrap-up point of this quarter because we'll have to move things along. Yeah. But what's fascinating about these eclipses, so we got the May 26th and then June 10th. But what's bookended around that is basically we have Saturn stationing retrograde on May 23rd, just mm-hmm. before the lunar eclipse. And then we have basically that 
that stationing Saturn then backs itself up ever so slowly to make its second square with Uranus on June yeah. 14th. It's just a just few days after, after this eclipse. Yeah. So, so there's this Saturn-Uranus action that is basically bookending these eclipse, this eclipse period too, which mm-hmm. is fascinating to me as we already talked about kind of the the volatility of that, you know, and the restructuring, the disruptiveness of it, um, and what might be shaking loose at that time. Um, and then how maybe Saturn's chewing over it in a retrograde state too. So I don't know any thoughts on, on that second past or Saturn state. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's the thing that's, um, I'm realizing we didn't explicitly say that earlier. So I'm glad you just brought that up, but with these three Saturn Uranus squares happening this year, it's it's really significant that the first two Mercury retrograde periods are exactly lined up with them. So like back in February when we get the first Saturn Uranus square, we're we're having, you know, Mercury stationing, I think, direct around the same time in, in Aquarius, um, kind of close to Saturn. And this time, you know, it it's trining, it's in a range of a trine to Saturn. It's not going to get back to forming an exact um, trine with Saturn. I think it stations direct on June 22nd at about like 16, 16 degrees. Yeah. So it'll be a few degrees away from it. But it's, yeah, it's definitely still a um, major, whatever is coming up, there's, there's, there's something really peaked, yeah, he, peaked in here about the Saturn Uranus square. Like you said, it's Saturn stationing. It's the second one. So this is a major, within the sequence of the three squares we have this year, this is like the pivotal, like middle square, um, which is, there's probably new things coming out, um, deeper understandings about what's ever going on. A lot of times it takes until we get through the whole thing to fully kind of understand what's happening, but this is going to be another really, really major um, adjustment period um, so the, the Gemini part of your chart gets really activated here and gets really like, I guess, one way to think about it. Um, however, that Saturn Uranus square is playing out for you. Um, this is another major, major um, um, adjustment to it. And I, and I actually like, I know people don't like Mercury retrogrades, but I, I don't have a problem with Mercury retrogrades. And I think they're really good for, you know, a lot of times we want things to go to according to plan and everything just to line up like we're making our little to-do lists and everything's going to go according to plan. And that's, you know, not the way things are. And it's certainly not going to be the way this is. This year is going to go. And Mercury retrograde periods, they can be tricky, but they, I mean, I find they tend to show you what you need to be paying attention to. And that's what this is going to, I think, do. It's going to really key us in on what we need to be paying attention to and figuring out and changing. Mm, I love that, Gray, because I find Mercury retrograde periods very useful and it, it, we need that pause, but we might need that pause more than ever, especially when we're at a point where a lot of information is being flung at us in all mm-hmm. types of different directions between the Aquarius season that we talked about, uh, this Gemini season. And if you're just going forward with information without ever stepping back to like reassess and reanalyze and go, go through it all, uh, there can be a lot of missteps um, and it can cause more hazards along the way. And so it, lean into these Mercury retrograde periods because this is where um, 
clarity may be able to be found. I mean, it might be a little harder with this particular one, just because we know Mercury is dancing with Neptune, but it'll eventually get there. It might actually point out where things are very unclear. And it's like, oh, whew, I need to step back. I just don't know. There's just uncertainty. There can be anxiety, These are doubt. These are the things that Gemini... Pisces, Mercury, Neptune, they can, they can bring up. And so this period in particular might have a lot of uncertainty and doubt and anxiety to it. But part of that retrograde cycle is to get you clearer uh, by pulling it back, taking a moment, um, thinking it through, you know, and, and not trying to rush uh, ahead. And we know Mercury just loves to be busy. And so pull back back a notch. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then this will be the one of the three exact Saturn Uranus squares. <clears throat> this is the one that Jupiter is not also in Aquarius for. Um, so this is, I mean, this, this is basically the dramatic conclusion to the second quarter, right? I mean, so yeah. the second quarter is um, Our a bunch equinox. of this active, yeah, the, the mutable signs getting really activated, Jupiter going into Pisces, the eclipses getting set off with that. And it's all, you know, we get the second Saturn Uranus square at the end. Um, so, um, yeah, it just seems, and it's, 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 it's interesting because it's like the, the same Saturn Uranus themes are in effect and deepening into that. But now, like, Jupiter is just sort of in a different position to get a different, I guess, perspective on it. Um, so it'll be interesting how this one plays out a little bit different. It's almost, it's basically, you know, like Jupiter's going into Pisces in about two weeks, no, actually a, a whole month, month and a half after this, it's going to ret- go back into, um, I'm sorry, a week after this, it's going to station <laughs> retrograde. Yeah. And then a month and a half later, it's going to, you know, it's going to back and go back into Aquarius again. So it's kind of like, it's almost like, popping it peeking into Pisces to pick something up here with the second one. And the other major thing that happens here that takes us into the next quarter of the second half of the year is that entrance of Mars into Leo. Um, Cause that gets a lot more important, you know, as we get as into time July. goes on. Yeah. Yeah. So the like squares. Yeah. So that's, it's not getting totally set off here, but Although it was kicking up dust it's, with Pluto, yeah. uh, doing its own thing, so that's another part of the. Uh, and we talked about that a little bit with the. Yeah, and that's a good eclipses. point. I mean, it's basically opposing Mars. I mean, I'm sorry, Mars is opposing Pluto, and then going into there. So it's, it's sort of like a different version of what we have now, which is like Mars squaring Pluto, and then going into Taurus to hit Uranus. This time, Mars is like opposing Pluto, then heading into Leo to oppose Saturn and square Uranus. Uranus. Yeah. And that, that comes in in July um, yeah. right away. So, um, so before we get there, you know, uh, any, any descriptor or clever song lyric for, <laughs> for our Aries uh, three month period or quarter through the eclipses. And I wish I could think of a, um, a good song title, but it's I just, can't think of one either. It's escaping me. <laughs> that you know what I like. I like that it's escaping me. It's escaping me <laughs> because yeah. that seems very fitting for all that we just talked about. Uh, you know, it's escaping me. Something's escaping yeah. me. Um, I don't think we can. We can't unfortunately use November rain. I'm trying to keep us. Yeah. 
<laughs> just <laughs> you're trying to keep it in GNR. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, I'm like, oh, what? I'm all patience. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking for uh, for old Taurus season because <laughs> it's you know we're gonna need that flexibility. So maybe I'll throw in a little little patience with old. Because sometimes you need that when you're going through like a lot of changes and, and Mercury's trying to fly on through and we don't need know things yet. And there's a lot of uncertainty. Some of the hardest thing, one of the hardest things to do a lot of times is be patient with things. So um, that might be a, that might be a superpower that you have to unfold during these time periods. <laughs> Definitely. So, all right. Well, let us move on to Cancer Solstice. Sweet Cancer Solstice, my time of year. Yeah, so the main thing here is right after Solstice, we have Jupiter and Mercury stationing. Jupiter stationing retrograde, Mercury stationing direct. So um, it definitely starts off with this kind of like bang, sort of like with Jupiter and Mercury. And it's interesting because I noticed later in the year, um, this happens later. So when, when Mercury ends up stationing direct later in the year, um, Mercury is like also stationing direct at the third Mercury retrograde of the year. So there, this is the first of a couple of times this year where they end up Jupiter and Mercury station at the same time. So it's pretty fascinating. Um, I mean, what, if nothing else, even just the fact that they're the rulers of the nodes that we're dealing with, right? So there's some kind of important story they're each carrying, and they both get mm. intensified right here at the solstice. Um, the main thing about, you know, so there's part of a thing here with, you know, Mercury is ending its, 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 um, its retrograde. So we're going to start recovering from that and kind of building up, you know, it's going to to slowly start moving forward again. It's sort of what it's like four degrees away from Saturn. So again, it's sort of like, it's kind of gotten back, not exactly trining Saturn, but kind of close back where it's, it's definitely kind of seems to me it's close enough to be contacting Saturn there. Um, Where there's, where there's something we're getting kind of keyed in, keyed in there to, reorient towards as we start this like second half of the year. Um, and then the really big thing that gets set off then in, in the next like week or so after this is, is that Mars and Leo just getting closer and closer to hitting the Saturn Uranus. And that's basically building um, until we get to the beginning of July and we have a little like, you know, I guess there's other things that happened before then. I don't, we, we could talk about also, um, like there's a full moon in Capricorn and, um, Venus opposite Pluto around the same time. Yeah. So basically, but, um, yeah, uh, the thing, uh, moving, cause we're back to cardinal territory, which is interesting mm-hmm. because to me, this whole year is really centered on fixed and, immutable whereas you know 2020 had so much cardinal action to it um that kicked things off so it's interesting to see kind of another start starting point another activating another turn or pivot on, on the wheel and then get pluto getting back involved because anytime pluto's involved it's basically 
kind of bringing us back to, um, you know, earthly considerations too, and what's got to change there and what's, you know, adjusting and, and kind of finishing the Capricorn agenda, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, you know, like wrapping mm-hmm. some things up that are still residual from, from 2020, perhaps. Yeah, totally. yeah. Yeah, I mean, in fact, even I think the next, so there's that full moon in Capricorn, which isn't really with Pluto. It's um, more like sextiling Jupiter and Pisces, but like, you know, Venus is opposite Pluto. And then the, you know, just jumping ahead till the new moon on July 9th, that's going to end up coming in Cancer. It is, you know, hey, that's pretty my birthday. closely. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, that. it's going to be, uh, it's kind of opposite Pluto, the new moon. It's not that close. <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's close enough. Seven, seven or degrees or so. Seven degrees, okay. I was born with a, it's a little further. I thought, it, I I thought know it was, that world. <laughs> yeah, I guess I thought it was a little closer than that. But it's seven degrees. It's still there. So there is a yeah. There's a there's a definitely though. We we do have a Pluto activation um, as we go from the end of June into July for sure. And then and then it's at the same this same that same stretch of time. Uh, from that full moon to this new moon, like I said, the very beginning of of, of July is going to be a, like again, you know, Mars is really volatizing that that um, Saturn Uranus, and interestingly, Venus kind of coming right in between, right behind. So they're yeah. they're and Venus and Mars are ending a cycle here, and they're hitting the Saturn Uranus at the same time. So um, I think they come together on July 13th. Um, so I guess it's like July, f- very first day of July is when Mars is, I guess, opposite Saturn and squaring Uranus. Um, hmm. I think, that. right. And then um, anyway, when I think it's interesting that Venus Mars conjunction, I always find to be a really interesting time period. It's definitely one, I mean, it can definitely play out in collective events, but again, tends to be a, often a very significant um, moment just in your own life and relationships and, and so forth. So it's, I, it's pretty interesting that they're kind of, they're ending the cycle you know, hitting that Saturn Uranus square. So there seems something extreme. This is another one of those like major reorientation to these, this, you know, much bigger epic, you know, Saturn Uranus story that's playing out and how we're being impacted by that. Um, I guess that's how it, how it makes me think about it. Yeah. I feel like something's like dislodging, or yeah. something something's mm-hmm. like breaking loose um mm-hmm. before they meet because to to once again play it back to 2020 and i think this is something that we talked about in our previous uh podcast gray is that the weird dance that they were doing for much of 2020 where they mm-hmm. just couldn't like seem to meet in any sort of mm-hmm. way that was like of ease <laughs> and so they've had an interesting cycle just to begin with that uh, that's wrapping up so think about, and I know a lot of people have gone through, including myself, have gone through some interesting relational territory um, since they last met um, in 20, 
2019. Uh, I, I was trying to remember. It's 2019. I'm pretty sure it was in Virgo, too, because... I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, that was um, where everything was meeting, uh, it seemed. Um, we're just going to go with that because I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. But I, I, I think you are, too. So it's it's fascinating to me kind of these last moments of the Venus Mars story just get some sort of <laughs> like Saturn Uranus moment. And then they're like, Oh, and we're conjunct. We're ready to start a whole new story. How did that uh, one go for I mean, you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, the, the, that's exactly right. I mean, it's important to pay attention to that sequence. So it's like they're hitting it and then they come to get, so like Mars hits it first then Venus comes through and hits it and then they come together. So, um, there could definitely be there. I mean, that could be, it could definitely go two ways, right? That can definitely be a battle and conflict of whatever gets hit, stirred up by that Saturn Uranus, or it could be, you know, reparation, resolving, working things out. You know, it's, it's going to really depend on your situation. Yeah, it could be a but, little bit of um, both too. A little bit of both, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, or you know, and you can sometimes that happens too, where I can see a different couple different situations in my head where you know maybe you hit a brick wall and something has to part. And that's mm-hmm. the way it is. Or you hit a place where it's like, okay, are we going to commit to this? If so, we gotta make big changes and and, and stir it all up and like, you know do things differently. So it can, it can kind of go either way, but I think that it's going to be a, a testing point for uh, relationships in general. And, and it doesn't even have to be just romantic. I mean, it could be business, it could be creative, it could be familial. You know, these are just overall relationship uh, components. Um, and even the relationship that we have with ourselves, because, you know, we're so looking at, say, yeah. yeah, that the, the anima and the animus within. Um, and so that could be stirred and disrupted, um, but then re-glued in some yeah, way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've thought about that a lot before is, you know, if you think about Venus just being your values or aesthetics or what, what's important to you in that way, in that, that kind of realm of like, this is what I want or desire. This is what I value. And then Mars really being all about how we, you know, go after that, or it's like dynamic and um, fighting for that or creating that, whatever, you know, that energy. So um, that's a really important part of ourselves, right? And, and it's getting, it's, it's having to interface with whatever's going on with the Saturn Uranus story that's been playing out. Um, so I think it's a, it's a really big adjustment to that, to um, maybe how our values and priorities are changing on a personal level, um, how we want to go about maybe changing how we're, what we want from our life, what we, what we're, what's important to us, um, what we want to go after, what we want to fight for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. Yeah, because it is in Leo too, so it seems very you know heart centric as well. Just like yeah, um, yeah, definitely. What, what's what's your heart saying? This is the time to listen to it. I would say definitely. Um. All right. So uh, where do we go from here, Gray? I'm losing track of my list. You need to- yeah, I mean, we can honestly to save time. I think we can really jump ahead. There's there's certainly more stuff that we can talk about. 
Maybe we can do our backup. We'll do our re-meeting episode later. I mean, there's more we could talk about in this month, but basically, you know, Mercury is in Cancer, so it's going to, by the end of July, it's going to go across hitting that Pluto again. Um, The big thing at the end of July is Mercury, Jupiter going back into Aquarius, but then Mars is basically opposing. So like um, Jupiter goes back into Aquarius and like Mars is like, leaving leo but like before just before mars goes into virgo it basically opposes um jupiter so this basically connects like it sort of weaves everything together so like right we had the beginning of the month that's i think the main thing beginning of the month we have mars right um it's opposite saturn it's squaring uranus and then at the very end of july you know it, it hits jupiter opposing it so it's it's basically connecting those that that whole big story that's playing out this year. Yeah, because that's that's key that we have to keep remembering is that this entirety of this year is really pushed off from that Jupiter Saturn conjunction. Kind of like we thought of uh, Saturn Pluto last January in 2020. We can kind of think in, along those lines that everything Jupiter and Saturn are going to be. Um, key to the story that is playing out. Of course, Uranus too, because we know that's part of it. But, you know, the, the, the conjunction is, is a stepping off point. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to watch Mars dip in from these places and then hit it at the last degree too, um, which I'm just noticing just last degrees kind of taking place in general, which is always some sort of wrapping up and some sort of finality to me. Um, you know, like the, like we skipped over it, but Mercury and the sun, uh, met in their Kazemi conjunction, superior conjunction at 29 degrees of Aries. Uh, we know they did that in mm. not too long ago, a few, few days ago. Um, we saw that the Aries ingress for the U S had a 29 degree, mm-hmm. um, you know, or it's not the Aries ingress, sorry, the solstice, 29 degrees Scorpio. So I don't know. I'm always fascinated when I see something come together at this like final moment of signs and what that can mean as far as finality's sake or really, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it's about in, in the context of this year. It's because it's, this is a year of like crossing a, crossing a threshold and crossing a boundary. And so it's, it's, it does have that energy of like being at the final degree and crossing this boundary marker type of quality, I think. And, you know, when we think about oppositions just in general too, seeing both Mars and Jupiter at, at the spot is that when you get to an opposition, this is a, this is a turning point. This is when you look at the other situation down, like, you know, down the barrel and you're like, am I going to do this? Am I not? You know, like it's a very decisive moment when oppositions come around, especially with slower moving Mm -hmm. considerations of, you know, planets. So there's something to be said about that as well. Yeah. And how the year plays out with Mars stirring everything up, you know, there's, we mentioned before, there was that January going into February time period. This is now from the Leo end of things in July. And then it's later in, uh, when we get to November that it happens from the Scorpio side. So they, they are um, pretty key periods of the year when, when Mars comes through and hits us stuff. Mm, um, 
I just had another yep. thought. Oh yeah, sure. Um, I'll just say real quick that it just dawned on me because we were we kind of keep bringing up cycles, and if we think back to Mars and Jupiter cycle, it started on the air around the Aries oh, equinox yeah. of 2020 on Jupiter and Pluto. <laughs> so there's something to be said about this pivot point too, as it as it turns its 29 degree page, um, where it's seated, uh, you know, on the. Pluto on Pluto and on with Jupiter Pluto. So there's, I don't know, there seems to be a a much larger story and bigger changes along that, like, might have been brewing, like, you know what I'm getting at here. (laughs) No, that's a definitely, that's a really good, that's a really good point. Um, Because that Aries ingress chart was unusually important being that, um, Aries ingress chart of a year of a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, which, you know, to these ancient astrologers that developed those theories about the cycles, that was something to really look at, you know, they really thought so highly of the Aries ingress chart. So the, yeah, like the fact that that Aries ingress chart of the Jupiter-Saturn year had the Mars-Jupiter conjunction together, it just gives it like this extra importance, um, yeah, to get to the the middle part of that cycle. Yeah. Definitely. So I have a feeling. I have a feeling this will be a, a pivotal time of of sorts. Um, just For yeah, sure. yeah. And, and, and what happens right after? Like this is the end of July, but then right as we get into August, um, Mercury and the Sun come together, and they're basically doing the same thing now, like the same thing Mars and Venus were doing. Oh, so look at that. They are basically opposite Saturn squaring Uranus. And this is the, you know, the reanimation of Mercury, this period conjunction. And it's being, there's some sort of clarity or insight that's maybe gained. Um, so, you know, August is one, if you want, just for time's sake, we can move through, I think, okay. pretty quickly. I, I, I think... You know, sure, this can be difficult with Mercury Sun hitting that, but I, I feel like it's this is again, you know, Mercury just keeps playing this role. I feel like this year of like, I feel like Mercury. This is really like the Hermes that loves human, likes humans, or maybe they maybe maybe they like to kind of play tricks on us and watch us, you know, mess up sometimes or be. But also, you know, Mercury. I, I do think can lend a helping hand and there seems to be something where Mercury just keeps coming in and, you know, in really important parts of its synodic cycle with the sun and mixing into this, like um, the Saturn Uranus square. And this is another moment. So I would hope, I think, I feel like August is a month where, you know, as we just talked about July, has got some intense stuff happening. Hopefully um, not like there's nothing difficult happening in August. I don't mean that, but just relatively speaking, um, it can hopefully be a time of like some restoration and kind of getting stuff back together. I mean, it is though still like it's setting off. It, it's the month starts off though with Mercury and the sun basically setting this off where it opposes Saturn and squares Uranus. Um, but then mm. there's some nicer kind of aspects coming in at the end of the month. Um, well, I feel like Mercury's and the sun setting that off too. Um, I mean, it it can be eye opening. It can bring you know information to yeah. light. That could be very Saturnian. Um, but I think that's what we have to take into consideration as we go through um, kind of the 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 fixed activations. Is that sometimes the hardest part 
of things lies in, in the beginning as you start to get situated in the energy and why the beginning of the year and why we put so much emphasis on that is because we're getting used to that. We're getting used to what that feels like. And so I, I feel like once it comes along this way, is it could stop us up. We do see that story play out more. We run into Saturn, we run into Uranus, but we almost know how to navigate it a little bit more. Maybe we're wiser for it or we, uh, we know what that energy brings. It's a little less jarring, I guess. Mm-hmm. I could, maybe it's just a little thorn in our side rather than like an anvil to the head type of situation. Yeah. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. And then, uh, in the midst so basically, you know, Venus is in Virgo at this point, you know, it's going to move through opposing Neptune, but then around August 15th, it goes into Libra. Um, and so this is a, this is a point where Venus is now going to um, be in Libra and will then head towards trining the Saturn, you know, so this is a, period where at least from the you know venus is um now in a more harmonious place to kind of maybe works help work some things out relating to this this whatever you know however this is playing out for you at this point so that's an a nice thing the other um really major thing in at this point in the middle of august is um mercury and mars coming together um and that is a that's a unusually important because as we'll see they're going to end up they, there's a whole big bigger mercury mars story getting started here like they come together here around august 18th and um because mercury's going to end up going retrograde they're going to be coming together more in the in the mm. months ahead That's so and this is like the first uranus. time yeah and it's trining uranus That's yeah so there's um Definitely. There's, there's, so that, so it's, yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, Mercury, Uranus, I'm sorry, Mercury, Mars, Mercury, Mars is trying Uranus and then Venus is in Libra heading to trine Saturn. Um, So there is, yeah, I mean, I would hope that this could be a month of just like figuring stuff out a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I also like, I like that uh, at this time too, um, you know, the sun is opposing Jupiter. So we're, we're back to that kind of like, mm-hmm. almost like, you know, that Mars energy that kind of lit up that space too, right? As Mercury and Mars meet and bring in the trine. And it just happens, the, Mar, uh, the moon just happens to be in Capricorn at that time of the exact trine, um, sorry, Mercury-Mars conjunction. So there's like a grand trine in Earth, which seems, I don't know, kind of nice for some sort of like, like, pivot movement you know growth spurt venus about to move you know uh trying that saturn i'm thinking that i'm going to upload this video on youtube just so people i'm saying this how far in (laughs) so you can see what we're talking about as we're talking about it um but yeah i should have dressed better our videos are small it don't matter (laughs) um (laughs) yeah get it together greg come on um so yeah, I, I kind of like this moment, to to be honest. It feels like kind of breakthrough in some way or some sort of new uh, mental agenda. Mars is behind it. Mercury seems mm-hmm. specific. It seems breakthrough or innovative with the Uranus. Yeah, and Mercury is um, definitely, and Mercury, just to your point there, is basically becoming visible right here. So, you know, it's mm. it's moving fast. It's in its exaltation. It's becoming visible. It's like, 
it's got Mars with it, right? It's trining Uranus. There's there's definitely something strong there. And then if he if he actually um, wanted to just go a few days forward at that full moon, it kind of goes even more into what you're just saying because it's it's pretty much right there with Jupiter. Um, I think. Yeah. Oh, so a could, 29 degree full yeah, moon. Yeah. Look at that. I guess that's a blue moon. Is that a blue? No. Is that? Not, no, that's blue moon's in the same month. It, but it's it's the second full moon in uh, Aquarius. There's, there's one in Aquarius. We skipped over it earlier, but there's one earlier, like at the very beginning of Aquarius. And then, oh, yeah. One degree yeah. on the 23rd. So we get two, yeah. we get two, two, full, two Aquarius moons. full moons. Which is so interesting since we are Aquarius. all about Aquarius, Aquarius right? Yeah, two Aquarius full moons. Interesting. Yeah. So we got, yeah. So late July through late August, we're bookended by Aquarius full moons lit up for all to see. But the 29 and, degree, hey, we know that's uh, old Trump's spot. Yeah. What he's doing then. <laughs> and at the same time, Oh, uh, Venus. Venus is trining Saturn. Yes, yeah, so this is the same Oh, time. and Mars trining Uranus. Interesting. The two relationship planets mm-hmm. are contacting our Saturn-Uranus uh, piece. Right. So, right. so maybe this this can hopefully be, and even like when we were speaking back to that last month and Venus and Mars coming together after being in some harsh aspects to them, that's kind of what, yeah, here they're forming harmonious aspects. Venus is in it her own sign. So hopefully this is like a period, like I was saying, just to like kind of get stuff together in better ways. And um, it's not as we're going to, as well, the, there's more volatility to come at the end of the year. So this is, this is like a 2021 period. That's not as like chaotic basically, Mm, you know, as far as like the transits go. Yeah. So yeah. So August, mid August through later August, there seems to be some flow. There seems to be forward momentum with Jupiter Mm -hmm. being activated. We get a, we also get a couple Aquarius full moons. So uh, yeah, that's nice. It seems like a more flowing, um, activating not as much tension as some of the things that we've described. So yeah, exactly. Where does that bring us? Okay, we're not quite. So in September, well, I, I guess the very end of. Uh, I mean, I'm going to skip ahead to kind of speed it up. Uh, yeah, we'll get to our bulk. Mercury goes into Libra like at the end of August, and then so now we get um, Mercury doing the same thing where you know it's. And that's also important because Mercury is going to be in uh, uh, Libra for a long time. Um, I think it's September 6th that it hits the retrograde like shadow zone. September 13th, it's like max evening starts. So it starts slowing down and it's going to be later at the end of the month where it actually goes retrograde. But essentially, when it goes into Libra at the end of August and it's just going to kind of like be in Libra for a while um because it's going to go retrograde so um but before it goes retrograde beginning of september it does the thing where you know it trines um saturn and aquarius and then it squares um pluto um so that's all important um the other thing that's a when I was mentioning it around September 13th, it starts slowing down. So like mid-September, right before we get to the um, equinox, 
that's when Mars goes into Libra. So, um, you know, Mercury starts slowing down in Libra and Mars enters Libra. And this is what kind of like, so middle of September is where we kind of like, you know, it starts dipping back into that like volatile, more volatile side of 2021. Um, And so that's going to start building because now Mars, you know, Mercury's going to try and Jupiter, but then station retrograde, right? And Mars is just going to keep getting, moving through Libra. So they're going to end up coming back, back together. Um, So that really deepens in um, October. But this is, this is kind of taking us into that, that, that last equinox. Yeah. Okay, so well, let's wrap up the Cancer Solstice season. I'm noticing we get a. There was some Pluto activation. There was, you know, there were moments of relationship, um, you know, like turning points. And, and is this it? What are we doing? Uh, but then there seemed to be some ease. Any any wrap up? Any like takeaway? Yeah, I think that's the main thing. I, I mean, it, it's a quarter of the year where there actually isn't an exact Saturn Uranus square, but, um, there's definitely still a lot of action with like, like we we're saying with the like Venus and Mars, um, <clears throat> setting so, it off. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, maybe just like we were saying, like July has got some tension and things to work out. And then hopefully in August, there's a lot of like resolution and, you know, enjoying that final part of the season. Um, because as we turn into the final season of the year, it's going to start things just kind of coming up again. So like, I, yeah, I guess it's, it would be kind of like dealing with more of the kind of volatility, but then hopefully that quarter of the year can, you know, there can be a lot of um, getting into a better place keeping in mind that again, there's more change to come because the final section of the year has a lot of like change inducing kind of, you know, catalytic aspects happening. Yeah. So enjoy, uh, late August while you can, because enjoy the flow while you can, because yeah, so I mean, Northern, what... Northern hemisphere, I think it'd be nice. Cause like, I love that time of year, like the end of summer, Oh, it's one of my favorite times of year. Yeah, I love that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what we're getting from this all is like, there's a lot of change to this year. There's a lot of reorganization and, you know, this is what, this is what we're seeing. So keep, but we, we know that we know the world we're living in right now. Anyways, a sports caster. I know this you think of those, as a, some of those cheesy romances of like the summer and the summertime and love ends and then we go into the, um, Oh yeah. Cause there's a little bit of that with like, just, you know, there's, there's sort of tension on the horizon, you know, like, okay. like as we hit this, like last equinox and turn into, um, it makes me think of like Greece. Uh, I'm like, summer yeah. loving, have me yeah. a blast, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Greece. Okay, let's go. All right, we're we're in the final we're in the final quarter of the Libra equinox here. Um, yeah, so this um is is kind of going back, you know, like we talked about the beginning of the year being really volatile and this uh this quarter of the year definitely is 
can be contending, you know, fighting with that first quarter where he's the most <laughs> he's the most, most volatile of the year. But this, this is another this is another um, another volatile part of the year. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that that might be the word of choice for 2021 when we <laughs> say yeah. volatile. So yeah, so this one that Equinox chart is basically having uh i think mercury's squaring pluto in it maybe mercury's squaring pluto but also trining yeah. jupiter uh and mercury's in a about uh, yeah, station yeah, it's getting it's getting close it's not there yet um but it's it's basically but most importantly it's squaring pluto but it's trining jupiter there's it's like yeah there's well, in, in October, like every, so there's definitely like September's, you know, Mercury's stationing right then. Um, yeah, like four days later, it'll station. Yeah. Yep. And, um, and then in October, there's like a lot of stuff stationing, um, end up being a lot of stuff stationing direct. I think Jupiter, Mercury, Saturn, Pluto all end up stationing direct across the month of October. Um, but yeah, this Mercury stationing is interesting because yeah, it's like it's interesting because it, it starts off, you know, with this trying to um, Jupiter. So that seems, you know, helpful that that it's starting off with this trying to Jupiter. So um, I guess kind of keeping with that theme you had mentioned about the Mars and Jupiter. Um, you know, Mars and Jupiter will eventually come into a, a trine, but. Mercury starts off, you know, trining Jupiter and then basically just like heads back to Mars. Um, mm, so this I, is also the close of like, this is like Mars in the underworld, right? And, and this is the end of the Mars cycle. Um, which mm, I have so many thoughts, Gray, right? Now it's all coming together, like in my mind. Um, yeah, so this is why this this starts kind of getting things, getting things moving again. And um so I think it's October 7th that the sun and Mars come together. And that's really at the same time that Pluto's stationing direct. And there's a new moon in Libra, like on October 6th, that's like right on Mars. So like, it's, it's like just before, mm, before um, they come together. So that, that's an important, that well, um, new moon really kind of kicks a lot off. Okay, but we can well, talk about uh, this before that. I want to talk about this real quick before we yeah. move on to there and look at that. Because when I'm like, okay, there's a couple of things I want to say. Obviously, I mean, we're looking at Libra ingress. So obviously we mm-hmm. want to look at Venus. And we see that Venus is in her, uh, you know, she's in her detriment there in Scorpio and pretty much exactly opposed Uranus. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, and so I see this Mercury squaring Pluto, about to station, trining Jupiter. And to me, Mercury has some sort of message of justice. And then I just see this like enlivened, you know, social aspect of Venus opposing Uranus while Mars is getting, you know, ever so close to the sun. And just knowing how uh, with the whole pandemic, I was tracking um, I was tracking the, the Sun-Mars synodic cycle to begin with because I think that that played into the whole um, like, like key moments of unleashing the, the pandemic agenda through Sun-Mars connections. Um, and then the story that it played out 
from there, uh, you know, like, so it's fascinating to me watching this almost get to the conjunction, which we'll look at, um, and that story about to like wrap up, but it's once again, getting that last bit of the cycle, kind of what we were talking about before with Venus and, uh, Mars and how, uh, we're getting to some, you know, this story is wrapping up in some way. So I don't know, my mind immediately went to some sort of like social unrest, uh, kind of message in the streets, you know, some sort of justice, like, I don't know. I just wanted to get that out there. It does, I mean, it does look and, like that with in the USA um, ingress chart with, yeah, I mean, the chart we have here for people that can't see it is uh, Venus. You can look it up the from home. <laughs> Venus is in Scorpio really what is it like six degrees from the midheaven? It's pretty yeah. close, and then Uranus is about seven degrees from the IC. So the Venus Uranus opposition are like right on the tenth, fourth house in a quadrant system. But as you have it here in whole sign, it's eleventh, fifth. But so yeah, it's it's definitely it's an angular Venus Uranus opposition in the USA ingress chart, and definitely I think that just kind of keys us in because what's going to end up happening is in this quarter, like where Venus is kind of marking right there. That's what's coming in November, you know, is that Mars and Mercury will end up. They're both going to end up, they're going to come together in Libra and then kind of go together into Scorpio and and set that off. So it's, it's, it's in the ingress chart. The, the Scorpio Venus opposing Uranus, but that Scorpio zone setting off the Uranus um, Saturn square um, is a th- something that we we see get hit again by Mars and Mercury. So it's yeah, there's definitely it, it's it's definitely there's some kind of social unrest will be happening. You would yeah. think. Well, especially, yeah, and with having Mars in Libra and its, you know, detriment trining that Saturn too. And, you know, a lot of times there could be a f- that fight for justice, that fight for equality, you know, like it's, it seems really noisy um, uh, as far as speech and thoughts are concerned to me um, and getting the word out with Mercury in its place, Mars in its place. Uh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say that, yeah, and to the point you made earlier about Mercury stationing there, trining Jupiter with like that idea of justice. I mean, I think you're right that that could end up playing out. I mean, Mercury's going to end up going retrograde. Um, and as I was saying, like if we go into the uh, next new moon, it's around like October 6th, um, you'll see that, um, you know, at that new moon, Mars is about to like Ooh. be with the sun. Um, Mercury's retrograding back towards it, so that new moon's going to hit the Mercury retrogrades, and and then and Mercury and Mercury and the sun and Mars are basically all coming together um, around October 9th. When we get to them a few days after this new moon, there's a the, the Mercury Kazemi inferior conjunction, which is you know it's right there with Mars. Um. So there's definitely something that um, this could definitely be some kind of social unrest. It's interesting that the Mars cycle is is being seeded. You know, there's, there's just like the solar seeding of Mars happening here and that 
mercury is getting mixed in. Um, I don't think I can definitely think of some really negative things to say about that related to the air era and the uh, military industrial complex. Um, but I, I think it's, it's also the same thinking about the air era. And this is like Libra seeding of Mars with Mercury there. There's clearly something there. I think, mm. you know what I'm saying? Just like, I totally do. I just, Libra. I find it fascinating that the last one also had the same conditions. Um, I pulled it back to September 2nd, 2019 and it's Mercury, Mars and sun all at uh, in the oh, same yeah, degree at Virgo. Virgo. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that come back, that same lineup come back, but like you're saying, activating air this time instead of Earth. Um, yeah, and- when Mars becomes visible, it's going to, we'll, we'll get to that. That's going to be when it's actually in, a, it'll be in Scorpio by the time we can actually see it. And it's um, being reborn like in the skies, you know. But yeah, this, this seeding's got like this, yeah. So this is definitely seems, yeah, like the air and, um, I mean, I, I, I could see this definitely going with some kind of social unrest for sure. I mean, this is much more discordant. Um, well, and to go along with kind of my theory with sun Mars, um, and how is like playing it out with their Virgo conjunction in 2019 and it with the pandemic, cause we're looking at a longer cycle here. This isn't just about this moment. This is like, this is what Mar, how the sun and the Mar, the Mars, how sun and Mars are going to dance basically mm-hmm. until they meet again. Um, which is not going to be until November of 2023, so there's something to be said about this, um, about this, you know, Mars and its condition, Mars in sun in the air sign, the, the Mercury retrograde component. Um, yeah, I think, I think you're right, Gray, about there being like, this kind of being the start of something that is perpetuated uh, in the social agenda and like some sort of fight for, for justice, um, or fight from, you know, like we were talking about the military too, and like how that is activated in, in some way. I don't know. It's fascinating. My mind is, we, my mind is reeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so this is a period where it's again, another, um, Mercury retrograde. This is the final Mercury retrograde this year in an air sign. So it's another, like, it's, it's this different version of the same, you know, Mercury retrograde and air signs, uh, reorient, reorienting us. This one though. Yeah. Like it's, it's hitting Mars and what's happening at the same time as this is, a uh, Saturn stationing direct. So then we get oh, Saturn yeah. stations direct on the 10th, Jupiter stations direct on the 17th, Mercury stations direct on the 18th. So there's like this whole lineup then where they're all stationing um, Mars trines Jupiter, and then we get this full moon in Aries, which is basically opposite Mars and squaring Pluto, which is a lot to take in. Um, but um trying to think of how, and then Mars is like basically going to square Pluto at the same time. So, this is just what I'm, I, I'm not sure how to synthesize all that together into like a short statement, but it's, it's, um, it's big. I mean, there's some kind of major shift here, you know, Saturn, Jupiter, Mercury, they're all stationing. Um, 
the full moon in Aries, which is obviously ruled by Mars, it's like opposite Mars. Um, and then what, I mean, November gets kind of actually even a little bit, I guess what's going to happen here is there's something kind of building and like, you know, we can't really see Mars yet. Um, there's obviously something where it seems like Merc- this Mercury retrograde is kind of taking us into some trouble. And then maybe as it's stationing, it's, it's, you know, again, hopefully Mercury's helping us kind of tune into that Saturn and the Jupiter and, you know, it's going to move forward to trining Jupiter again. Um, but as we get into November, it, I mean, things just kind of keep, it's not like that's like the peak, you know what I mean? It's almost like that volatility we're seeing there is just kind of like take, it's going to take us to another level of it in the next month. So it's, it's, it seems to me like it's kind of like a building up of something, like something's kind of brewing and simmering there. Uh, Maybe we'll be seeing it very, seeing it out in the world, but yeah, it's kind of building. And then, yeah, as we get into November, um, that's when we're back in, we're basically back in Saturn Uranus territory at, at that point with yeah. now Mars and Scorpio, um, the sun and Scorpio, Mercury yeah. hitting its previous station spot. So it's reactivating Pluto, uh, with a square on November 2nd, um, we go to November 4th, that's the new moon. And uh, yeah, November 2nd, like you're saying, it comes in, it's 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 opposite Uranus, but the new moon is, is Ooh, still right much opposite Uranus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's a new moon, <laughs> yep. November 4th, opposite Uranus. It's still basically squaring Saturn. And now, yeah, you can see Mars is in the beginning of Scorpio, heading to square Saturn. It gets there like November 10th. Um, but basically, from this new moon, like the week after this new moon, from November 4th, like November 10th, we have like the new moon in Scorpio opposite Uranus. And then basically Mercury goes into Scorpio and comes together with Mars. So um, we have like Mars and this so if you remember we talked way back in uh was that august i forget what day that was i think so yeah it's back in august when we had mercury and mars together in virgo um and then they come together again when mar when mercury's retrograde right in october and this is now they come together again um and this time they're in scorpio they're squaring saturn they're opposite uranus so they'll both then, you know, move from this into squaring Saturn, squaring Uranus. So this is, yeah, and this November period is just, uh, um, it's, it's, it's taking us right back into another one of these very volatile something coming in. Um, I think in a, on a personal level, maybe it's helpful to think about um, just knowing there could be a lot of stuff stirred up here and maybe needing to find your way through it um yeah i mean scorpio is always pushing for something to be like there's always some sort of kind of erupting 
you know, deep well force. Mars is in its, you know, nighttime domicile there. So we have this super strong Mars that's activating the square with Saturn. Um, and we know in Mars and Saturn together, there's a lot, there could be a lot of pressure. It could be a lot of, you know, like deep kind of like just friction that can happen within, that can happen emotionally, that can happen about the future and, you know, your, the agenda that if, especially as the new moon seated in opposition with Uranus. So we talk about that volatility, that disruption. Um, and, you know, now, now you have to deal with it. Now you have to act from that. Um, and it could take those ninja moves. That's why I think of with like uh, Mars and Scorpio is like ninja moves where you got to kind of move from, um, you know, a stealth position or work behind the scenes or like strategize in some way. And so there could be a lot of pressure placed on people uh, at this time. And there's probably a lot going to be going on in the world, um, but we have to navigate that within our own kind of like, you know, like deep rooted changes that hit us on an emotional instinctual level at the same time, or at least that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. That's the best way to talk about it personally, just to really, I think, do your best to really center within that deep emotional material. Because certainly with, with the whole Scorpio thing getting set off in this quarter, that's what's really, you know, all that emotional, deep undercurrents are are coming in really strong here and being exposed and coming out. And, um, you know, um, there could certainly be personal conflicts coming out of that, but there's, there's also hopefully ways to navigate that. So um, it also could be very, some deep material coming up to really act on. Um, I, I, I still think that even though the Saturn Uranus tour can be difficult, it can, it can also be um, in some cases liberating and, and breakthroughs yeah. can really come out of this. So it's definitely that, that yeah, that de- definitely deep scorpionic volcanic type of material that, can get really dislodged and I think um, unleashed here. I think it's definitely going to be a time to be careful about, um, I I think I would not be on Twitter or social media during this time. (laughs) 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 That seems like a nightmare. Uh, Not that it isn't anyway all the time, but even more than normal. Um, well, I like the breakthrough component because I think that, you know, like with the pressure of Mars and Saturn in a square, which we felt a lot of in, you know, late 2020, yeah. we got one coming up here that we haven't even had yet, but there's something, as they say, you know, pressure makes diamonds. Uh, so there's I mean, something. That's, what this, <laughs> yeah. that's the, yeah, I mean, that's the positive side of this. There's something really, yeah, really getting dislodged here. And it is yeah, a better position deep. than the last Mars square to Saturn that was on Uranus and um, and squaring Saturn from that uh, detriment position. So it, there actually could be some sort of like, you know, around the way connection <laughs> to that earlier mm-hmm. point in the year that um, is now in a new point of, it's in a different kind of, pushing home of its cycle because this is, you know, kind of that last quarter moon position to the Mars uh, Saturn cycle, which if we look back, Mars and Saturn made their conjunction on the Jupiter Saturn point of zero degrees Aquarius. So their story just in general is like, 
um, is really unleashing the Jupiter Saturn piece to begin with. So there's, so there is a lot to Mars and Saturn's movements together that are just be, uh, that are beyond just Mars and Saturn and are playing into the unfolding of the larger kind of cultural response and then our own, you know, new twenty year cycle that's brewing. Yeah, and and I think in terms of the if we're thinking about the Saturn being authorities of some sort. You, um, whether that's your own personal authority or authority figures, you know, the when Mars is over there with Uranus, Saturn, and just from a superior square side of things, the Aquarius had the upper hand, but this is Mars in its own domicile that's now actually, in addition to being the last quarter square, which, like you're saying, it's very important. Um, it's also in the superior square mm-hmm. side. So Mars and Scorpio is like, now got the upper, upper hand, hand to like <laughs> to really dig into that Aquarius. Um, so um, yeah, I think as much as you can kind of make space in your life during this time to um, sit with and work through the issues and just be kind of ready for there might, if there's conflicts coming up, you're just going to have to do your best to, navigate that to the best you can. I mean, in some cases it might be something where you actually have to like really take action and like fight your way through something also. So it doesn't necessarily mean like you should always be avoiding that, but yeah, it's definitely something to look out for there and be aware of. Um, yes. Yes. The other major thing then, so that whole thing is basically playing out this whole like next week. <laughs> So, because basically from November 10th through the 17th, um, well, I mean, just to kind of pull the whole thing. So where we're heading with all of this is a lunar eclipse in Taurus, which is the first Taurus-Scorpio eclipse. Um, It's conjoining the fixed star Algol. Um, It's basically squaring Jupiter, trining Pluto, and... As we come into that eclipse, we basically get the thing we're talking about. You know, Mercury is together with Mars, you know, squaring Saturn. They move across the opposition with Uranus. And that's basically like feeding right into this eclipse. Um, and so that's why this is is where, you know, there's just some sort of building up of like this volatility that we're dealing with here. And so this is going to start the Taurus-Scorpio eclipse story for you, which is going to be very intense in 2022 because they'll be involved with Uranus. And especially, actually, the lunar eclipses in 2022 are um, the ones that I noticed were like really lined up with Uranus. So it's going to be a really interesting like lunar eclipse-Uranus thing. Um, right in my Uranus return, (laughs) Uranus opposition. How lucky. (laughs) If I'm remembering right, and I could be wrong, but from my memory, it's the, yeah, lunar eclipse in Taurus and the lunar eclipse in Scorpio that are especially kind of lined up with Uranus closer. Hmm. But anyway, this is, this is beginning the Taurus. So the nodes are still in Gemini and Sag and they will be the, the whole year. But um, when we come to the end of 2021, the nodes are about ready to switch over. And so that's why, you know, here they're at the very end of Gemini, well, they're in the beginning of Gemini and Sagittarius. But that's why we get 
the first Taurus eclipse coming in. So there's, there's not a Gemini eclipse here. There'll be a um, Sagittarius solar eclipse after this, and that'll be the final one in Gemini Sagittarius. So this is like, yeah, there's an eclipse story thing changing here too. Yeah. So there's like some new, new kind of eclipse themes coming in. Right. So there, yeah, there's just a lot of, a lot of um, another big period of adjustment here. Well, and it seems to back up the the fixed story again. So not only, you know, like having all these planets move through Scorpio, uh, having Mars in this opposition to Uranus at the time of this yeah. lunar eclipse, introducing a new um, nodal story uh, with the nodes um, about to switch. In, you know, we're a little bit out, but they're they're getting close to switch into Taurus and. Scorpio. And whenever we get that first eclipse, and it's a pretty tight one too. I mean, it, there's an yeah, indifference, but, but the eclipse itself is going to be a, a strong eclipse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're getting, I want to say we're getting thrust into new territory, but we're really not because we have been dealing with the fixed energy for the entire year, but now it's starting to get intensified with uh, the eclipses then changing. But to me, that also, um, I was talking about this on uh, Christina's podcast not too long ago, just thinking about the way that the nodes move and how eclipse cycles kind of work in reverse to our other modalities where normally Mm -hmm. we are like pivoting or starting and then we, we, um, you know, kind of stabilize and then we adapt, adapt and, you know, shift. But with, with eclipses, we, we more like we start, we, we shift and adapt and then we stabilize. So there's something to be said about, uh, the shifting of the nodes into these fixed signs in this, in this first lunar eclipse is that we, it's almost feels like we're about at the stabilization period, um, that is, you know, this is the first start of like finally, as we've moved through Cancer and Capricorn and the start of all this and all the, sh- you know, I can just think of everything that went down in that time, the pandemic, the, you know, like moving to the, having to adapt to it all. And so, I mean, I'm looking at the high side of this as I'd like to think that this is finally the eclipses that are setting off a more stabilized agenda. I hope it's, a good one, <laughs> but I don't know. Other than being fixed, you mean? Yeah, because there's... Um, yeah, because I don't know. Though. <laughs> I know, I know. I know where you're going with this, and I'm not yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just trying to find some sort of like um, yeah. hope. Maybe not in this one. Um, maybe let's get us into 2022, um, and even then I got to look at things. But there, yeah. there is a lot. There is a... <laughs> There is a lot of uh, high energy to this particular yeah. eclipse. That I mean, is the thing disruptive. is, yeah, what's interesting because the thing with the 2022 eclipses is they're on Uranus. So um, I don't think stable is, is one of the things. Well, it, it's, a, it's not going to be a normal like Taurus, um, Scorpio eclipses in that kind of way but definitely i think yeah i mean like long-term impacts you know long-lasting effects that kind of fixed quality um and what's kind of interesting is that this one this one is like the one that's not like right on uranus as far as the lunar eclipses that we'll see that are coming in 2022 but mars is like the opposite of uranus so um but I mean, I think the you know, you know when you're talking about you know, you having a Uranus opposition, you know other people that have Uranus um, around that like 
you know, mid Scorpio placement. I mean, these are going to be big changes for you. And, and, um, not that the Uranus opposition, this has to be stable, but I mean, honestly, I've lived through my exact ones and my life wasn't like crazily unstable. I mean, I, and there can be a lot of like growth and breakthroughs that come in and, and you, you learn how to like keep your life together while they're happening. So it doesn't mean like your whole life's going to be like unstable um, just because Uranus is going to be involved in these eclipses that they're um, world events will, will be, I think, but um, on a personal level. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right that in a sense about the stability in that, um, well, it's going to basically be about how we're all going to be finding finding our way to yeah. stability. Like we're we're stabilizing our lives amidst these big changes that are happening in it's the like, world. It's like building a new normal, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. like what mm-hmm. we're what we're trying to do. So yeah. I think there's still a stable quality to it, but that doesn't mean that. But but with the caveat that we know that nothing is really staying stable, you know, like it, there's always right. going to be some sort of disruption and sort of some sort of movement and that volatility aspect. Um, but with any type of like quake or shake, there's always moments of stabilization. And so it's mm-hmm. like uproot, settle, uproot a little bit more. It's kind of like when, when the, the earth is quaking um, and, you know, you might get a big quake, but then there's lots of little ones that come with it that kind of like try to, find where the earth is going to sit after that kind of big shakeup. And so I think that might, and that might be a lot of this year actually is like thinking about um, those sort of, I forget the technical term for it right now when, when the earth like um, gives those extra, like they're kind of aftershocks, but you know what I mean? So we're just trying to find where we settle. It's like, you know, little 1.0s that keep like triggering us to find a, a, a new kind of plate to kind of rest in. Yeah, totally. That's a, a, a great, a great uh, point for that. Um, Where does this bring I think us? We should, I think we should move. <laughs> yeah. Let's move ahead because I know we're, we're taking up a lot of time talking about all this. Um, so Unfortunately, December has a lot happening, so it's hard to just talk about December in a moment. <laughs> but um, this, like you're saying, I think it's good to keep in mind, yeah, there's some kind of like, there's some big shaking and shifting happening in November. Um, it, November stands out as being a, one of the, the most volatile months of the year. And, you know, you, you could make the argument for it maybe being the most, um, volatile. Um, and so we get to December and we're kind of recovering from that. Um, and there's a whole kind of new, there's sort of, there's a, not a new dynamic being introduced. There, there, there is a major new dynamic introduced, but, um, the Saturn Uranus square. And as far as these being the exact ones, we, by the end of December, we, we have, we have reached the final exact Saturn Uranus square. So that's one kind of overarching theme of December is that they finally come together in Pacific time. I think it's December 23rd, but most of the world, um, it's going to probably be on December 24th for you. 
um, that we get the final Saturn Uranus square. But um, before we get there, <laughs> we get mm-hmm. at the beginning of the month, we get a total solar, we get a, we get a solar eclipse um, yeah. in, uh, it might not be total actually, but we get a solar eclipse in Sagittarius um, and Neptune basically stationing at the same time. Neptune stations direct. We get a solar eclipse that's with Mercury, very widely square Neptune. Um, and then at the same time that's happening, the thing that's, that's, that, that comes in that's, that's very new um, is the Venus retrograde and Venus with Pluto. So at the beginning of December, Venus is already in Capricorn and, you know, coming in to get closer to Pluto. But basically, you know, Venus is just, this is just going to be a, um, if you ever wanted to really deeply explore Venus, Pluto in transit in Capricorn, this is your, um, this is your opportunity. This is your month. (laughs) Yeah. So everybody can really get ready for, um, I'm sure that's evocative. I don't think I even, we don't even, I think everybody's mind can just go there, Venus and Pluto and Capricorn, what that could mean. And it's just, you know, it's literally like all month. They're just, because basically they're, they're, they come together. I think they come together the first time on December 11th, but um, Venus is stationing retrograde on the 19th, you know, right around the solstice. So it doesn't really, they just like stay together. (laughs) Yeah. Basically for December. Yeah. And then some. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a major thing, right? Um, Adding to our relationship themes that we keep seeming to come back to this year, like turning points. I mean, that's, that's a great point actually. Um, So the the month is beginning. There's there's something where so it's not like the Saturn Uranus squares are actually wrapping up because like we mentioned they're going to be playing out all of next year, but the exact ones are wrapping up this month. We get the last Sagittarius Gemini eclipse at the beginning of the month, so there is something about some those Sag Gemini eclipses. Like there's like the final whatever happens for you with that that's important happens. Um, the final, it's not the final Saturn Uranus experience, but the final exact square. So there's some sort of intensification of that again that we're dealing with. Um, and that's not really a new story either. But yeah, Venus retrograde on Pluto. And like you said, the there is something that we were looking at where the whole year there's like some really interesting things with Venus and Mars happening. And um, yeah, I think if you just really think about the, the relationships and just our desires and what we want and what we value in life, what our needs are and how we're um, navigating this time of being on this like big collective threshold where so much is going to be changing um, that we end the year with Venus just like spending this really, really long time with Pluto um, in Capricorn, you know, this like Earth sign. Um, it seems like it's it's really like just this intensification of, of digging up um, 
values, um, maybe the old, old identities. Maybe it's a lot of stuff about, I mean, if we, if we get into this whole astrological era trip, you know, maybe it's a lot of these really old values, um, related to the old earth era, because we are having to let go of that and release it. And, um, yeah, just, just really, um, digging into that. Um, yeah, I guess maybe to see like, you know, we're, we're letting go of something where things are changing, you know, what, what's there for us to really, um, also support our, our growth going forward. Seems very, I mean, very real extreme intensification of, of desire coming up with that. It seems like, um, Mm, yes. So, yeah. Well, and the uproot, I like what you're saying about the uprooting of like kind of bringing us back to the values of, um, really maybe, uh, like re-looking at, uh, you know, the era that we came from, because really this can, um, this conjunction and this station is happening near all the Capricorn action that we just went through in 2020. And so this is like a hot spot of just like, personal memory at this t- point in time, you know, mm-hmm. because we've all, we've all encountered these degrees, um, in, in ways that are like life changing. And so having Venus go back over it, um, and, and that could be key, you know, like the values are so important in life. And if any time I always tell people, I like to tell people in, in consultations, you know, do a value check, write down a bunch of your values like a lot of them, and then just start weeding things off because what you value is what you uh, ideally should be working towards in life. And if you don't check those from time to time, then you might not be in the right place for what you want to manifest and create in life. And I've thought about a lot of times that 2020 was this point of new foundations. And of course, we have to excavate the old in order to build the new. Um, But this might be the value piece and the value component that comes into it once that we've had like all this new uh, air energy introduced. We've had the volatility of like old systems um, and old ways of earth being with Uranus not working. We, you know, Mars has been shaking things up the whole time. And so now we get to the point where it's like, well, what really matters? Like what, what, what matters to me? Like what's, what's important in my life? Um, what do I value? What do I hold dear? Um, and this could also play into, like you were saying, uh, when we talked about the last Venus retrograde in Gemini, you know, this could be a time where socially speaking, things are kicked up. Um, and we know Pluto uh, is about inciting some sort of deep change as well. So there's, there's that story to be played out basically uh, at the end of December and in the early part of 2022. So it's, it's a fascinating way to uh, end the year. Um, and will make for very interesting holiday time if you do ask yes. me. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's also the, I mean, the USA people, you know, talking a lot about the USA um, Pluto return. So this is obviously like, let's put a Venus retrograde right on that US no, Pluto true. return that's forming. You know what I'm also noticing with this, because you have, uh, you just have a chart up on the screen that we're looking at for December 19th. And looks like Saturn is just moving away from the 15 degree zone of Pluto. And I could be wrong, but I think that is actually what's interesting about that Venus retrograde on Pluto is I think this might be demarking 
when Saturn gets past the 15 degree mark with Pluto, which I'm not, not like that Saturn Pluto is over right here, but I have been keeping in mind that in the book Cosmos and Psyche, where Rick Tarnas really tracked a lot of transits, he used a 15 degree orb. And even though the Saturn Pluto conjunction happened way back in January 2020, because of all the events he put together with that 15 degree orb, it seems like they really play out for a long time. It's not like they're all over right here, but this is actually, um, it's interesting. It looks like that Venus stations on Pluto at the same time. Saturn's finally moving 15 degrees away from Pluto. Um, so that's just pretty fascinating to me, um, just from that standpoint. Um, um, that, and that, that also kind of shows how that Saturn-Pluto, the repercussions of that Saturn-Pluto are really still playing out for most of 2021. Mm. Um, but yeah, we get, we get this intensific. Either way, we get this big intensification of Pluto here at the end of the year. And I was just looking to my ephemeris, so... In case, um, you know, we don't need to talk about this right now, but if you're wondering when does Venus get back to Pluto again, it's in March of 2022. So this, this Venus-Pluto <laughs> thing... It's going to be a is, while. Yeah, it's, 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 it's setting up this big, yeah, something really playing out in 2022. So that's, that's going to be one of them, a big thing of 2022. Um, Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty dramatic ending to the year. I mean, the other thing you're saying about like the holidays um, is that like December 24th, December 23rd is a final Saturn Uranus square also. So they're obviously still in play. But the one thing that does come in right before the new, well, sorry, right before the new year is Jupiter and Pisces. So I think it's December 28th that um, Jupiter makes its way back to Pisces. So, and, and you know, and now we're going to, it's going to be in there for good, although it actually kind of flies through Pisces pretty quickly um, for Jupiter. But um, yeah, we, we, we do end the year with Jupiter going into Pisces. <clears throat> so hopefully that um that's a, that's something that's a, that's bringing a sign of hope or just you know helping us um transition into that new year on the day that mercury and, and venus and pluto meet in a conjunction <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're all they're all together right that's party. a good point that's a well good which point. is also yeah. interesting to um I mean, quite the new year quite the, the new yeah. year new yeah year's Eve. Well, knowing that uh, Venus is exalted in Pisces too, it's just interesting to see Jupiter move there and what that might add to her story too, maybe. But hey, this is your this is how we end the year, basically. Once again, holidays, the new year shall be interesting to say, yeah. say the least. Um, so Gray, any uh, culmination of our Libra equinox through the end of the year, basically, through the... The soul, yeah, we'll we'll kind of call that as our quarter. Is this is this the most volatile? You think it's most volatile? You think it's maybe you know maybe you know that we've talked about it. I mean, maybe maybe we got to say it is actually because it's not like. I mean, I mean, I would say it's either this one or the first one, but yeah, me the too. first one's got the whole like Mars and Taurus stuff. Like January next month is is 
it's got a lot going on. But yeah, this one's pretty. Got it. This one gets really, pretty plutonic, is what happens. It's with definitely this one. plutonic. It's definitely plutonic. Very scorpionic, also. Um, yeah, the Venus retrograde. So there's. It doesn't. Um, I mean, I think the difference is that first quarter, you know, when we were talking about that, it, it sort of ends where like, yeah, there's volatility, but then it seems like there's like recovery. There's like, um, and this quarter is ending with like not that really being the case. Um, and I guess technically Jupiter goes into Pisces after we're into the next quarter of the year. Um because it's December 28th, so it's like a yeah. week after. We were just kind of r- rounding it out. I think, um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, I think maybe we, this would be, maybe the final, the part of the year is the most volatile. Um, but it, it's, it just sort of shows, though, I mean, where there's just a lot of, there's, um, I think that's one of the main things to pick up about this year. It's just a lot of change happening things just keep changing and, you know, the, and the end, so you get to the end of the year, there's like even like this deepening into like even more in depth and it's like really stirring up deep material. There's like this huge Scorpio activation. There's this huge Pluto Venus retrograde activation. So um, it's, it's, it's really taking us to a deep place at the end of the year. Um, and so the, I would say the difference though with 2020 though, is that there's, there's, it's not as, um, even though there is volatility, I guess it's sort of like we've, it doesn't quite have the same kind of like implosion type of like death of the way old way. It's more like adjusting to the new, I guess the key difference is there's like this something new has we're as we're talking right now, you know, we're just stepping into this big new energy, whatever you want to call it, Aeon judgment card. <laughs> um, and it's just like, we're it, almost like if, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to. I was going to say a star exploding, but I think that's too dramatic. <laughs> but there's some kind of energy coming in here right now that we're just kind of riding out and adjusting to and deepening into all through the year. Um, and at le- but at least we're kind of on the other side of it. Whereas 2020, we were like kind of going into it, you know, and, and like having to let go of all this stuff. And the pandemic made it even more anxiety provoking and restrictive for people um so this is now kind of i guess dealing with like the fallout and how do we recover and how do we you know how can we be inventive and, and find our way you know some people are going to be finding new jobs new ways to make money depending on your situation so yeah yeah i guess it seems to me like if i were to sum it up it's like finding our way forward that's yeah, like, that was that's good. Thank you. <laughs> finding our way forward. That's you know, um, and we're you know we're gonna get a little bumped and bruised along the way. You know, like things might not go as planned. Um, you might have to take little you know pivots and and be as adaptable as, po- as possible. But the overall like overarching theme is just you know finding what lies beyond twenty twenty. Um, and this is that that start, and so. Ooh, well, I don't think it's going to be any easier. It's going to be different. Um, but 
I mean, I'm excited, I guess. And you should be like, I think that, I think it is exciting. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I, it, I think it is. Ex- I honestly think the best way to approach it is, is to be excited about it, that things are changing. Um, it doesn't, it's not going to be easy and there's a lot of adjustment, but, um, with, with all the things changing, it, it does create ways to, you know, if you've been wanting to hang on to the way things were, then you're going to have a really hard time. Um, but I guess the more you can step into trying to do new things in your life and, and, and adjust to the changes, it can be, it could be more exciting. Um, new possi- a lot of new possibilities opening up. I think the more you can step into that, maybe we need to bring the, the fool card in play the fool card along with the judgment card. <laughs> oh, I've been getting no. fool cards so much lately. Yeah. But no, the fool card really brings you back. You know, you're, it's on the precipice of something and you have to trust. You have to trust yeah. that the leap that you're taking um, is going to kind of pay off in some way. And like part of the Aquarius agenda, I think, is also um, coming from a place of detachment and higher perspective because... Uh, like you said, if you continue to hold on to what was, you're going to have a really hard time because when you grasp something um, it, that is like crumbling, that's when we get tower moments, which there's plenty of those in mm-hmm. this year too. Um, but if you just, you know, rise above it, you know, and like rise above problems in general, because if you stay mired in them, then you're going to have a hard time. So really to me, this year kind of also speaks to attitude adjustment um, and being able to just come at it from a different angle, which is what Aquarius is actually really good at is like, it's kind of like a Rubik's cube where you can kind of like step back, turn a couple pieces and like, how is this going to, how are we going to figure this out? How is it going to all come together? What's the right alignment? And so it's going to take some finagling. Um, but I think perspective is, is everything uh, within it. I mean, in anything in life, but especially this coming year. Totally. And I would say too, like while, while we're on that, that kind of fool's journey, so to speak, um, and kind of moving around the rubble of the tower, um, you know, the star card is associated with Aquarius. And I can't, I don't think we can really say the whole year is like the star card, but as we were talking about some of the different trends and aspects, I mean, there's, there are, I think these like kind of star moments that you can have. And I think that now I'm thinking more about that star card. It it really connects with some of the point I was trying to make earlier about, you know, just needing to have these moments of, of getting this higher inspiration. I think that's the quality of Aquarius with the square to Uranus, you know, that if you can have those moments of bringing that in and kind of restoring yourself and getting that inspiration. And then, you know, maybe it's back into some more or something else you have to figure out, but you eventually work your way through it. And, um, there can be more inspiration coming like through, through the whole process for sure. I think. Mm, I like that. All right. Well, you know, follow that guiding star that it'll get you there eventually. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's finding the follow the guiding, follow the guiding star, star forward. That's our, yeah, that's, our that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> You've heard it here all three hours. Of it. I think we're, at. Well, we're like rivaling the astrology podcast here. Yeah. Um, okay. So, <laughs> all right, Gray, thank you for uh, joining me for this. Yeah. Where, where can people find you? What um, remind people before we go? 
Yeah, graycrawford.net, G-R-A-Y-C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D. And um, yeah, you can, there's a thing on that, my site to subscribe to my, my, and you'll get articles when I, when I do it. So that's a good thing to do. It's free and you can find out what I'm doing there always. Yeah. So check Ray out. And of course, you know, I do a blog post uh, we'll, with sharing um, guest information. So you can come on over to my page at energeticprinciples.com. Uh, and I'll have the information there too. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Energetic Principles. And just a reminder, I have my uh, Astrology Basics 201 prediction course starting January 13th. Um, so sign up is, uh, you know, come on over to register, registrate. I don't know, is that a word? <laughs> My mind is scrambling. Um, But if you want to learn predictive techniques, uh, this six-week course is for you. So come on over to learningthestars.com and you can sign up for that. Um, All right. Well, if you think people need to hear about 2021 uh, and have the endurance to listen to this podcast, (laughs) tell a friend, spread the good word. There's lots of juicy astro tidbits to share here. Um, And if you... uh, would be so kind, leave a review where you listen to this podcast because it helps it to be seen further in searches. Um, All right. I think we've said all we could possibly say tonight, Gray. Thank you so much again for joining me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. And thank you for tuning in. Uh, We're wishing you the best in 2021. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm -hmm.